some knowledge giving you the FF goo and we're talking about AFC wide receivers and 2017 we're gonna be breaking this show down to just doing wide receivers for the AFC and then we're actually gonna be doing our next podcast is gonna be the NFC wide receivers we uh, got to about almost four hours with our last show for running backs we figured with uh, even so many more players at the wide receiver position, it would be smart for us to break this into two shows. Totally fired up. It's super early on a Saturday morning. This might be one of the earliest we've ever done a, a Pyro podcast, so we're pretty psyched on it. As usual, I've got Houdini to the left of me. Across the way from me, i got Stag Party. I'm D-Rex. We are Pyromaniac.com. What's going on, boys? Well, not, well, at least Neil Pert's a good way to start the morning. He is just a... He's an octopus, dude. There's no... There's just one guy that pretty much is solidified as, like, the best at his spot in rock and roll. Like, you'd probably say most musicians, most listeners, most fans, and people don't even really love Rush that much. It's kind of this geeky Dungeons and Dragons-y type of band. But everyone is like, who's the best drummer in the world? Pretty much everyone's like, ah, Neil Pert. Well, He's so good. An octopus. Interesting way to describe yeah. it. I could have well, sworn in that song they yelled Venmo. So I was like, wait, that's like some, <laughs> that's a little early. <laughs> I'll tell you what, if you want to, uh, uh, he wasn't rock and roll, but probably one of the greatest drummers of all time. How about Buddy Rich? I don't even, he's probably some jazz guy. Yeah. I'll play you, I'll, I'll tell you what, when we get to a point midway through, I'll play you a little bit of a solo okay. of him, and um, I believe blow your mind. Yeah, those jazz mind. drummers are, are, are pretty nuts, That they're super technical. Um, crazy, crazy stuff, uh, I've been listening to Rush a little bit lately, just, I don't know why, I just was thinking about him, and it just hadn't, it had been so long since I had given him a, a go, and their music is, is heady as hell, and it's like, there's, their progressions are insane. Like every song they do, 
there's no like way you can't get into a groove because right when you do they just change up a progression and they're nuts and thinking about that and listening to that and then we'll get into some famous football it's way it's one of the reasons why I really love Jane's Addiction like Jane's Addiction's music whenever they're getting going and doing something they just flip the switch right in the middle of the song it doesn't like seem like a total it's it, it doesn't seem like a departure at all and I just love bands that can kind of keep that uh, keep that going well if you are a big Rush fan you've seen I Love You Man yeah it, it, they pay a big homage to, as you said, like the Dungeons and Dragons crowd. That uh... <laughs> yeah, there's funny. I don't think there's that. You'd be surprised at how few chicks for a rock and roll show will be in the uh, Rush crowd. <laughs> God bless them. Hey, they're awesome, but they just don't draw the broads. All right, let's get into the AFC. Baltimore Ravens. Let's do ourselves a favor, guys. What we do, we know what we do. We take the first three teams or an hour, and then we got to rush through it. So let's, uh, maybe not an hour, but half an hour. Well, so let's kind of blow through some of these, have some fun. We do have a show. We don't have to rush anything, but let's just not go Ah, uh, nice play on words. Oh, oh hey, now. I see what you did there. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Well, let, let me start off with the Ravens here because okay. this is an interesting team in, in this sense. And I think they're more in the argument of not that you're really like dying to have any of these wide receivers, but this is one of those uh, ones in fantasy where you're looking at it and you go, do I want to have the number two wide receiver on a better team or do I want to have the number one wide receiver on the Baltimore Ravens? And I think you could probably make a case that I'd rather have a whole bunch of number twos before I'd rather have the number one on the Ravens. How about you? I mean, I don't think it's a whole bunch. The thing is, right now, it's really a two-man race. It's Brashad Perriman and Mike Wallace and then a bunch of just-a-guys. So this is a team likely to go through the draft, add a sort of wide receiver two, wide receiver three type, maybe a guy who could play exclusively in the slot. Uh, so th I think they'll be adding somebody in the first you know, two days of the draft. And that's when it'll make it a little more interesting and sort of complete the core. But both Rashad Perriman and Mike Wallace have some upside. Rashad Perriman, we know he's got an elite athletic profile, big size. You know, as he got some targets last season, we saw some you know, pretty athletic plays out of him. So that's good. Mike Wallace, we've seen history of success, including last year when you look at Mike Wallace's end-all, be-all numbers, finished much higher than you would think. Like, do you have an idea of where Mike Wallace finished in standard scoring last year? No, he's 24. 24. But he was, a, he was number two wide receiver for fantasy purposes and, you know, had over 1,000 yards. The thing he didn't do was score touchdowns. He had just four of those last season, which is, you know, on his lower ends of the spectrum. Because he's a touchdown guy. I mean, so he's a long, you, you touchdown, a long guy. touchdown guy. So is, so is Perriman's going to be that guy, too. I just think what's interesting about Baltimore is I'm, you're not, you're not going to have to reach for any of these guys, is what I'm saying. So, and there's going to be, you know, there's going to be a lot of guys, you know, uh, is Emmanuel Sanders going before Mike Wallace? Oh, I would yeah. imagine so. So, I mean, oh, yeah. this is what I'm talking about. There's a lot of these number twos, you know. That, did Wallace even get taken in that mock we did? Yeah, right? I, 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 I took, took both. both. Late. I took both. both. But you got him late. You got him You got him the 12th. 13th, 13th round. round. 14th. 14th round. He's my last pick before my defensive kicker. Yeah. But that could be a huge value. Right now he's coming off the board at like wide receiver 58 yeah. in MFL 10s. You know, and he did the same thing last year. Uh, and I can understand because early in the offseason it looked like he might have gotten cut. Uh, he was a cut candidate. It sort of didn't happen with the retirement of Steve Smith and then how they reshaped their cap in other ways Bacon with Ladarius split. Green uh, or Ladarius Webb sort of redoing his contract and things along those lines. 
So I, I think Mike Wallace, if you're getting him late in the double-digit rounds, he could provide a boom for you. He's a boom-bust guy, but there is games where you know he's going to boom. Um, he's also very good against sort of his old teams. Mm-hmm. You get to see those a couple times a year. And, you know, he's good for five to eight touchdowns on the year, uh, especially if he could break a few other ones. And, you know, at that cost, you're getting a thousand-yard thousand ride receiver for basically free. Yeah, I like it. Here's what I love about Baltimore this year is their playoff schedule. Their play, you know, the schedule just came out. And what I was doing a little bit last night was kind of reviewing uh, who's who's playing who, what's what's happening there. And uh, Baltimore wide receivers are playing against the week, in week 15 are at Cleveland. Good times written all over that. And then in week 16, you're uh, playing at home against Indy. So when you're looking and down the down the down the road for a player that's gonna gonna have a, a sweet matchup when you need it most. Baltimore definitely fits that mold. Quickly on Parham, you got something on Wallace, though? Uh, I got something on just the offense as a whole. Let's remember this is a very, very pass-heavy oh, yeah. offense. So Number even one if, last year. Even if we don't know how they're, they're going to distribute targets, if you could take both Rashad Perriman and Mike Wallace late in the draft, that's got some advantages. Like... Figuring out who could be the number one here, because they're likely to get 130 targets, and you know you're basically getting them into double-digit round price. Like that's hard to beat. Uh, this is a team that's going to drop back to throw it a lot. Sixty-five percent. I don't see them changing much. I mean, I think they want to run it more. I just don't think they have the tools to be successful. And the other thing is too is that Flacco is a quarterback that can throw that deep pass. So. It sucks when you have that, you know, the, the the combination that you had before for Mike Wallace when he was with Tannehill because they couldn't connect on yeah. any deep pass. When you have a quarterback that can make that throw and you can actually run underneath the ball, that's why those guys are going to have more success also. Also remember that last year heading into um, in training camps and preseason, Flacco was coming off a knee injury. So he's healthy this year, coming in, no issues, no nothing holding him back. So he should be able to get a better rapport going with Wallace and Perriman. The question with Perriman is: This guy's learning curve going to kind of improve? Is he gonna is he gonna get it? Because that's kind of been the knock on him. It's just this: even the, you hear the coaching staff and the rumblings within the franchise are kind of like this guy's just not really getting it. So he can make the plays. He's got that body as Stags alluded to earlier. Let's see if he can he can make the step. And, and he's coming into his third year this year. Yeah, him and Kevin White. Yeah. They, they both were in the same draft. They both have this amazing upside that we have not yet seen yeah. really any of it. At least you got more flashes last year from Perriman toward the end of the year than you did from you know anything we saw last year from Kevin White. Yeah, wasn't it the first play of uh, tra- training camp as a rookie that Perriman hurt his knee? Like literally the first play of like some some training. It was really early. I practice. Remember it was Poor guy. Player. He was done for the year. His rookie year. So. All right, and you guys uh, got anything else on Baltimore, or should we move on? Let's go over to the Buffalo Bills. I'm just, I'm not going to say much in this team. It's funny how looking at them last year and then looking at them this year, I, th- I think Watkins can turn it around. But it might be the worst wide receiver core in the league. When you look at these names, and you, when you're missing Woods a lot, and you're missing uh, Goodwin or uh, yeah, Goodwin, and I, I don't know, just that the names that you see on this depth chart are just. Whew, sad part. The sad part is I like this depth chart more than I liked last year's depth chart when <laughs> Sammy Watkins was injured. Like uh, besides Robert Woods last year, 
it was Godwin who or Goodwin who was a deep threat. Nobody. At least Corey Brown's proven to be you know somewhat serviceable out of the slot. Uh, can take the top off of defense from time to time, and then can also work some underneath out routes and slants. So, so I like him, and you know, in the aspect of comparing him to other number threes receivers that were on this team last year, I like him a lot more. Andre Holmes at least brings that sort of size element um, that they didn't really have. I think Justin Hunter came there for a few games last year, and he scored some touchdowns for them. Uh, that was an interesting sort of mix of plays. So so I like that aspect that, you know, Holmes is a big dude, provides a different look for this team. But this is also another team within, you know, the first round or two that's got to be looking for a secondary receiver to Sammy Watkins. And, you know, people have him pegged in the first round as a team likely to take a receiver, as a guy to take Mike Williams or a Corey Davis. So we'll see how that happens. But it, I can also see them just adding, you know, a second uh, or third round pick on a wide receiver and then hoping that can complete the offense a little bit more. They need to add the receiver because Watkins needs help. He needs someone to help draw some attention away. And that's the one thing that scares me for – I was high on Watkins last year. And, you know, it just never really materialized. And this is the thing that, that I, I still worry about when I look at this offense this year. You know, especially if – they, you know, even if they add a rookie, they got to add someone with, it, with a little bit more dynamic skill set so that they actually can just, and they have to be able to pick up the playbook so that they can get on the field and help him just to draw attention away. Uh, you know, I don't know that any of these other receivers, though, in, in definitely not in like a 10 man draft, are going to be, they're going to be waiver wire type guys. But it, this is also more of a run heavy type of an offense. This is not a, uh, well, let me piggyback on that. We came from the first team we talked about, yeah. the Baltimore. They're the highest passing at 65%. You got you go to the flip side. The, the Bills throw less than any other team. Of all 32 teams, they throw the least amount. I can, Hopefully that changes a bit, but that's, that's an issue. I think another thing going on what you were talking about, I think they will add a, a receiver, but you also are hearing uh, that they could be going for a tight end. You know, maybe grabbing uh, that that kid from Miami, uh, Nyoku or uh, whatever, who some people think could be uh, maybe the most fantasy and kind of receiver uh, worthy tight end in this draft could be a could be a solid pick. So they're going to be adding some weaponry to that receiving core. Uh, you guys got anything else on this squad? I mean. So the thing that was so successful for them two years ago was the deep ball mm-hmm. and Tyrod Taylor connecting with uh, Sammy Watkins. Last year, that sort of fell off a little bit without you know Watkins on the field. They finished just 20th in deep passing yards. Uh, and then, of course, their short passing yards, that really isn't a big part of their game as they finished you know, last in the league in short passing yards. So if they could find a receiver who could do things after the catch and who isn't just all sort of vertical. That'll provide another element to their game and make this offense more dynamic. So that that's one thing I'm really going to be interested in seeing. Um, go ahead. One, one last thing that I, I was looking, he's become my favorite. I talk about him a lot now, but that Scott Barrett, uh, DFB, Twitter. Uh, I used to be on the shitter and, and get, get my swipes in and on Twitter. Uh, now I'm usually kind of checking his stuff out on Twitter and kind of trying to become better at this fantasy football thing we talk about so much. But he did a great piece uh, once the schedules came out that basically talked about winning percentage against who you're playing against over the last uh, – uh, and I think his numbers were winning percentage over the last two years. And his calculations have the Buffalo Bills have the toughest schedule 
uh, in the league this year. So that's something to consider uh, when drafting guys in this team. They've got a tough schedule. I think throughout this podcast, another guy will be referring to uh, Mike Clay has done some good stuff since the schedule has come out of how it affects fantasy football and easy schedules. We also got to, I mean, where do they play in uh, weeks, uh, say, 14, 15, 16? How many of those games are at home? Because Buffalo is also not a friendly Buffalo place. is not playing at home for the first time at the end of the season in a couple of years. They're off. Uh, they're off away from home, but usually they had a 10-point advantage over their counterparts when at home as opposed to on the road where they were negative 10 points in point-per-game differential. Buffalo so is at Indiana 14, so that's good. Then they're, they're home against Miami, but they're at New England in the championship round week 16. So, but either which way, so number one, it's a division matchup that they got to play in that, in that championship uh, game. It's also a game that's in New England that could also have very inclement weather as well. So these are things where it's like if you're thinking about, you know, you want to have that, that wide receiver, wouldn't you rather have the guy who is playing in a dome uh, in week 16 than the guy who's playing on the road? But in, they're going to have to score against New England. No, uh, well, it doesn't matter for Buffalo. They play better in the weather. Okay. Like, that's... Like, yeah, that's they play better in the weather. Like they are a better football team when they get to play at home at the end of the season. Yeah. Like, it, it, and what also is interesting is their formation. I don't like New England though. <laughs> I, yeah, but, sure. gonna, but New England only scores so many points that at least they're going to have. Maybe you don't like the Fucking running game chuck as much, it. but they're going to. Yeah, they're going to have to. They're going to have to throw the ball. So for what? Since we're talking about wide receivers, it's not ideal. Um, especially because they just scored a bunch. Of, they they got uh, they re-signed Butler, so they got the, one of the sickest secondaries around. There could still so be a trade for throw. that guy. You think so? Okay, draft day. Uh, but one of the more interesting things about Buffalo is their use of three wide receiver formations, and they only use it you know forty five percent of the time, which is one of the lower ends in the league. Like basically outside of uh, Tennessee and San Diego, they used it the fewest. So. You know, how many receivers are even going to be viable there? Once they add a secondary component, you know, you can pretty much forget about all these other receivers for fantasy purposes. Cool. All right. The Cincinnati Bengals. Um, I'll let one of you guys kind of dive into them first. Uh, Let's just start with A.J. Green. What do you think A.J. Green this season? Is he one of the elite top-tier wide receivers, or is he a notch below? He's a notch below, but he's... For me, I've I've always kind of been harder on AJ Green. I just I've, I've, and I'm I'm now a believer that you know he's not that guy that's the outspoken one, but he just gets it done. He's kind of like the this generation's Tim Brown, and and I'll take that. You know, you're you're always going to get the, the the solid production. You have a situation with Cincinnati where they they don't know what the heck is going on with their running attack. Uh, they can't get anything generated. They're probably not. So you're not going to be really adding anything uh, against to the to the wide receiving core. They're going to add a running back most likely. So uh, early in they the could, draft. I, I disagree. I think they could add a wide receiver. I think I, that's something highly, highly in their range of outcomes to replace Brandon LaFell. You know what I think they're going to do? And I've been looking at it in mocks and mock schmocks. I mean, you could look at a thousand mocks and a thousand different people. But one of the things, I guess it's the one I, I latched on because I like the uh, John Ross. 
Mm-hmm. Like if they pick John Ross and they got that guy to stretch the field, I would love that because he's actually not scared to go across the middle. Can do some short routes. They can do some trickery and some Tyreek Hill action with him. But if he could do that, that's like the one thing that I feel like would open up. He's never ever had a friggin' fast guy yeah. that that just can zoom it out and open that up so that a safety has to go and deal with it ever. And and that's the other thing too. I understand what you're saying that they, they don't want to have to rely on Brandon LaFell. And unfortunately, Tyler Boyd, who they picked up last year is not going to be that stretch the field guy but he could be that possession type receiver for you uh you know who, like could, who can who can man that other underneath part but you know I, I i just think they need to do it but at the same time aj green is going to get heavily targeted and he's going to have those couple of those games and he's going to win you weeks so going back to aj green like, I think we're underrating him a little bit. I think he belongs in that top tier. Maybe he's at the bottom of that top tier, but he, de- he was fighting to be the number one wide receiver last season before he got injured. Uh, if you look at points per game, if you look at just the raw numbers uh, to where he was actually, when he was injured in those 12 games, you know, he was top, what, he was the sixth overall receiver there, but he was injured in that 10th game on the first target of the game within the first five plays. So I think that means we can wipe that game out. So if we're looking at points per game in that aspect, he's right there with Antonio Brown last year. Um, Andy Dalton's going to look for him. He always has and he always will. And there's not a receiver in this draft that will change A.J. Green's target share. Yeah. Yeah, A.J. Green's getting 30% of the targets. the, the, the sad part for A.J. Green last year was the touchdown variance because this guy had 964 yards and four touchdowns. Like, those numbers don't go together, guys. Like, yeah. well, just, that's the problem that they – that's why they need to get more out of the running game because, you know, teams are not having to respect and have to bring extra people up so they're able to, to lay back. And, and that's when, you know, think about all the stupid touchdowns that Jeremy Hill scored because what they don't do like, like they do for Des Bryant, you know, with the fades and things like that right at the, uh, in the, uh, at, at the short yardage. For whatever reason, A.J. Green doesn't get those targets. Yeah, it's weird. One thing – Eifert's already talking about how he's not sure if he's going to be ready for camp. That fucking sucks. Every year this guy can't start off because Beja Green needs that guy to help him relieve some of the pressure. Giovanni are banged up as well. Could be an issue. That's gonna hurt. That's gonna hurt him a lot. Uh, you know, the big thing right now with everyone's talking about that's holding back Bengals on a whole is the fact that they lost their two best offensive linemen. I read a great article where Dalton doesn't seem too worried about that. You know, that he understands that when you lose Pro Bowlers and studs, they're gonna get paid, and that the next guy steps up. He didn't seem worried about it, and they do have some talent at the position uh, and some younger guys that are just gonna have to step up. So I think people are over. Reacting to that a little bit, um, and the, I, th- that's that's kind of my take on it. But um, they have the easiest schedule out there. They have an easy, easy cakewalk of a schedule. Uh, good article by Mike Clay on ESPN put out yesterday talking about fantasy football and schedule, and he gives the Bengals the easiest schedule of anyone. So you like that? So I, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, Eifert's got to come back. I would love to see a Ross get picked. Um, Bengals, I think people are going to fall off them, like you said, maybe a little underrated. People, I think they're going to be better. We saw what, what last year, two things. A.J. Green, where do you think A.J. Green? He only played those 10 games, and you said he got hurt on the first target of that. So he basically played nine, nine games, right? Guess what, where do you think A.J. Green finished in what month's wide receivers last year? 16. That's high. But what, what, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he missed seven games, six games. 
<laughs> 30. Seven games. 30. Yeah, 34. Finished ahead of Hopkins, finished ahead of Marvin Jones, Beasley, Sneed, and he missed all those games. So one thing we did also, and then uh, I'll shut up on this team, but we did a, we did a post, a little uh, poll uh, earlier this week on, of these wide receivers, it's kind of that second tier of wide receivers, of these wide receivers, which would you want to draft first? Mike Evans, A.J. Green, Jordy Nelson, or Des Bryant? Evans was 71%. I think people are really feeling like he's almost he's almost in there with that ODB in that tier one. But AJ Green at 22% smoked a 4% uh, Jordy and a 3% Des. And the best part about AJ Green is where's his ADP right now? You're not having you know it's still high. It's right in the middle of the first round. It's still the middle of the first round. He's I, still I, high. I, in the ones that the mocks that I've been doing, I've been getting. I've been seeing him going like around nine, ten. Yeah. Around. I mean, the, the last. Is, that's a great. That's a great value. It's a great way to start your team at that back end. The last it. chance you have to get AJ Green is basically pick ten of the first round. Yeah. That's the latest you could possibly get AJ Green. Um, but even then, it's yeah, it's a great value. But if he goes six through ten, I, I think that's a good spot for him to go because I think he's in that first tier of wide receivers. And when my version 2, of, or version 1 technically, of tiers comes out, he will be in that top tier of wide receivers just because he, Andy Dalton relies on the guy. Uh, I'm not worried about Tyler Boyd being dynamic. He's their third receiver. He is like a strict slot possession receiver for them. They do run a lot of slot 69% of the time. 69. Nice. Three Jeez, wide receivers. You know, so that's good for him. Um, but is he going to be able to take another step, or is he just going to be like a seven, eight hundred yard, you know, couple touchdown type of guy? Brandon LaFell underrated last year. Yeah, if yeah. they don't add anybody, I think Brandon LaFell is probably going to be underrated again. And you can get him for free in the last couple of rounds of your draft every year because people just don't like him. That's exactly what it is. Sure. It's hilarious. There's always these players that end up being. Uh, just, just fantasy albatrosses, right? And you're like, I don't want that guy. And then whoever ends up having, like, God damn it, I'm losing this week because Brandon LaFell's putting up 14 I points mean, against me. Who would you rather have this year, Boyd or LaFell? LaFell, unless something changes. Unless something changes in the draft. Well, the one thing I'm going to I want to say Boyd, but I know yeah. that it's LaFell. I, I agree. One thing we didn't mention is the Bengals have 11 picks in the draft this year. They are, they are stocked and ready, so they're going to be able to add some offense. They're going to be able to add position in a lot of, a lot of players of different positions. Also, to round out the depth chart, like we saw some Cody Core last season. Uh, you know, once AJ Green was injured and LaFell was a little bit banged up towards the end of the year. You know, Cody Core made some nice explosive plays. Also showed you know he can be an underneath weapon and yak guy. So he's a guy to keep on the back back burners of you know your mind in case something were to happen. But AJ Green, he's one of the, the top tier receivers for me. Four or five. Uh, the rest of the guys, I think a lot's going to depend on the draft. Because I, the, when you said the back, remember it on the back burner of your mind. I've been burning so much that the back burner of my mind, <laughs> my short and my long-term memory are a little shot. It's, it used to just be short. Now it's becoming a little long. I don't know what's going on. I've cut, I've cut back on the burnage. Hey, aren't you that guy everybody hates? <laughs> 
Yes. As a matter of fact, that is me. All right, the Cleveland Browns. Let's uh, let's talk about them first off. I think it starts for me with Josh Gordon. Is he gonna get reinstated? Does he stay um, with them, or is he gonna be a draft day trade bait? What is your? What do you get for him in, in, in a trade right now? Anyway, with with you know the. It's so tenuous. You're not going to get. No one's going to give you a second round pick for him. Yeah. You know. You're not, I don't think anyone's going to give you a third or fourth round. But you'd be lucky to get a fifth. You'd probably get a sixth round pick. I think I it'd be know. like the fourth round. Yeah, I think so. Middle. I, Somebody would take the chance. With right? a ton of draft picks, someone would do it and be like, "All right, we'll take a chance on this." So, Cincinnati, bring him over. Yeah. So Call him up. Just don't drink on the celebration, idiot. <laughs> So Josh Gordon's just interesting because if he's back, we know how talented he is. But you also got to factor in that he could just go off the rails. So it's not like you could draft him as a you know wide receiver three. You got to you know bake some discount into his price. Uh, you know right now you can get him in the teen rounds before there's any announcement as to his availability to come back. But looking back to last season, he was reinstated. And then he went to rehab on his own volition. Right. Or so is the word. Like, so technically, like, can't he just come back at any time? Like, why is there any reinstatement at all? What's sort of going on with that? That's a lot of different things to look into. But Josh Gordon is immensely talented. Uh, For Rejeff Leagues, if we hear he's going to be, you know, good to go all season, you're going to have to pay a high price to get him. just depends how you know deep you're willing to reach into your pockets to get them, I guess. Well, here's the other thing too. Let, let's figure, you know, let's say that the reinstatement is like that he's allowed to participate with the team, but he still has to serve maybe some other sort, form of suspension uh, at the beginning of the year. I, 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 we I don't, don't think no, so. Yeah. I don't like, know. Well, if, I'm, if he's suspended, I'm, he'll be suspended for the whole fucking year. Like well, that's it. Let me, let me just postulate something here because what, I, what I'm what I'm saying is that. Let, whatever it is, let, let's say that either there is some sort of suspension or there's not, but at the same time, the word may not come out until late, right? So if you're sitting there, and you're, but you're looking at where you can get him in a draft, and I agree with you, you don't want to draft him where you're expecting to have to start him right away, uh, but at the same time, if you're one of those teams that's drafting a wide receiver and you go wide receiver, wide receiver early, you can come back and, and take that chance to grab that, that Josh Gordon because the difference is when he is back, if he's back, Holy crap, even if you only had him for the last seven weeks of the season, wouldn't you want to have someone that would be drafted in probably based on his talent, uh, end of the first league uh, or somewhere in the second round? You know, that type of impact you can't you can't pay for in the 10th, 11th round, wherever you're getting him right now. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just a tough call. Like, we need more information. Like, he could end up on another team, but I, I, I think he'll be back in Cleveland because I just don't think you can – sort of replicate his production with a fourth-round pick. Well, they've also kind of uh, buffered themselves now, too, because let's go ahead and shift the conversation to Corey Coleman, you know. So they, Terrell Pryor obviously gone, but now Corey Coleman uh, stepping up. They have also a couple of draft picks. They could also continue to add to that wide receiving core just so they're not having to be reliant on Josh Gordon when, when that time comes. Well, they kind of did that with Britt. I mean, they added yeah, exactly. Britt. They right. gave him good, pretty, some okay so money. Not- they, they, they like him. He was a big guy and had it coming off his best year probably as pro. With a shitty quarterback situation. Not that, I mean, not that it's getting yeah. much better where he's going right now. 
Well, I think they're. Don't you think they're grabbing a quarterback with that 12th pick? I don't. Not with the second one? I think they're grabbing with the second sure, one. Sure, but if it's not Mitch Trubisky, I don't think they want anybody else. I think it's going to be Watson. Oh, well, I don't think they're going to go down that route, that road. I think, I think, I think they just had RG3 there for a little bit, and they had a little bit of an experiment to kind of see. You can see into the future a little bit. I don't think they want to They are both Watson very more. different passers. Yeah, I like Watson. He's a Jesus winner. That's where he's more like him. But I'll be saying that all offseason. But we'll see. It's going to be exciting. He'll, he'll, he'll be a 49er. He'll be a 49er, and then you can root for him. No, I think the 49ers are going to fuck it up and take Trubinsky with that second pick, like a couple of douchebags, and it's not going to pan out. It's going to be Alex Smith part two. But isn't the draft next Thursday? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I day. mean, <laughs> sucks it's not in Chicago this year. Yeah, a little bit. What are we going to do for the draft? Interesting uh, question. Let's get let's, there later. Uh, <laughs> let's, is, let's take a bunch explain, of edibles and watch it right here. That explains why I had to fly into Newark instead of Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, because it was a lot cheaper airfare uh, for my for my trip I got to go on. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so get, getting back to it, the rest of the roster, Kenny Britt. I mean, he's another one of those guys who's going in the 8th, ninth, 10th round, but he's the team's number one receiver as of right now. He, you know, if you look at his numbers and his target share and everything he was able to do with that quarterback situation, and you look to how he sort of translates to Cleveland, you can see the way he fits on the roster in a pretty similar way that, you know, Terrell Pryor's leaving a lot of targets there. So Britt has a way for fantasy success to be another wide receiver three for you uh, as the season goes on. that That's the real interesting part. I think he's got some upside there. So, like, when you're drafting Pierre Garçon and when you're drafting Kenny Britt, you know, you're drafting the last of the team's wide receivers ones who might be in bad offenses but are sure to see targets – you know, that's got some upside depending on how you construct your roster. Looking right now at the depth chart, uh, and we're going off of um, footballguys.com. The depth chart's on there. We've been doing that for the last two shows. Just um, It's a good spot to do it. They do a good job with that. They've got 11 wide receivers on this uh, roster right now. And they spent, what, five or six draft picks on wide receivers last year? And... Arguably, half of them turned out. One of Ricardo them. Ricardo Lewis wasn't so bad. Point five of them turned out. <laughs> half of Corey Coleman's season. Yeah. <laughs> and they went high on Coleman. So hopefully Coleman can have a resurgent, not resurgent, but have a good sophomore season um, and be worth being a, a, a top. I think he was 15th or 16th pick last year. I'm a fan. I think he can do it, but he needs some of these big bodies and he needs a Gordon to be there. and He needs someone throwing him the ball. Right now, the, it's, it's, it's friggin' broke ass wiper. Is there is their starter with uh, what's the other dude? I think it's Cody Kessler, Kessler is their starter. Yeah. Stop trying to tell me it's gonna be Brock Osweiler. <laughs> like if you've got your vertical threats and Kenny Britt and Corey Coleman and Josh Gordon, like Cody Kessler might not be great at throwing deep, but you know who he's better than? Brock Osweiler. Because <laughs> that guy's fucking awful. Like <laughs> Brock Osweiler's taking his last two teams to the playoffs. Yeah, I love that <laughs> argument. Did I see that on Twitter? It's Ooh. called it's called QB oh, wins. Oh my god! They, they're a faction of football. QB the wins. The problem is he, he doesn't have the, the Broncos defense and uh, the Texans defense uh, hey, playing. The Browns defense is 
No, I'm sorry. I couldn't finish the sentence. That you, one thing, uh, another they're gonna, But they're going to add, uh, most likely, at uh, number one, is... Uh, Miles Garrett. Miles yeah. Garrett. So that should help the team. That'll help. Big passing team. Hugh Jackson likes to throw. That That's an ad- Hugh, advantage for wide receivers. I don't know. Hugh Jackson's He's a very, very balanced, balanced coach. And last year they threw, they threw, they ran thirty-eight and threw sixty-one percent. But you got to remember all the years that he was offensive coordinator with the Cincinnati Bengals. They were always a, a, almost a little bit more run uh, oriented than the past, about fifty-two to forty-eight or fifty-one. I just 49. think they don't. They feel like they don't have maybe the talent. Maybe in, that's in, it. In a Dookie and a and uh, a Crow. Uh, that's not it. It's game flow. Like they're always, they're always, down. They're they're always losing, so you have to throw more. If, if you look at sort of their game flow splits, Cleveland, you know, when leading, they led for 184 plays last year. Let me ask you this, step because this is the one that I think, what was like the average uh, starting field position, if you can get that for like defense? Because they turned the ball over so many times and gave the other team just a short field, and then they were, that's how they get, got behind so early. It was just ridiculous. We had to ask him a question that will be really easy to find. Well, I know. <laughs> that's why I kept talking a little bit longer to see if it was even out there. Basically... Cleveland trailed two thirds of the time last season, yeah. and when trailing, you know their run percentage when trailing is just thirty three percent. Yeah. So you could look That's at how the reason, there yeah. you go. Is that going to change? Probably a bit. They, they should be a bit better. Can't be. I don't know. Let's hope that let's hope Miles, their first overall pick, can be a real difference maker out of the gate. I mean, I, I don't want to be relying on any of my fantasy teams with uh, you know being like, hey man, I got I got. I got a Cleveland Brown. Well, I learned my lesson last year. I actually did. I, I had Coleman in some leagues, and actually, Crow was a value pick last year. Mm-hmm. He actually turned out to be okay. But I learned my lesson by watching that team as a result of having these players. I don't think I'm going back down the Cleveland Browns well. It's just they don't score enough points, and you look at teams. you got to stack, stack your team with players that are on teams that score points in Power NFL numbers. games. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sort of wrapping up just with Corey Coleman. The interesting thing, though, is we've seen him make some plays on the NFL level. We've seen him have a dynamic game yeah. last year. But now he's being drafted after where he was drafted last season. So we're talking about his ADP from last year yeah. is higher than it is now. Yeah. So that's a built-in little bit of value, except we've seen him do more at the NFL level. Like, that's not the way that should work. Like, usually when you're a rookie, you know, you shouldn't have to pay such a high price. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's an interesting thing to where you can get to see, you know, more of him. And you've got a little baked-in discount. So I I like that aspect. He's got some skills. That's always one of the tried-and-true things. Always... The guys who end up getting overdrafted are the guys who overperformed the year before, and then the guys that you always get at the great value are the guys that had an underperforming year. And it's that's it, 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 you know where football is just not like baseball. Where baseball is, if you're a, a career 280 hitter, eventually you're going to pretty much come within that range. In football, you could go from having 1,400 yards one year to having 800 yards the next year, and then have 1,400 yards the year after that. Yeah, and, and few teams have produced that kind of uh, ebbs and flows, ups and downs, than the Cleveland Browns. Let's go over to the Denver Broncos, some of the news that came out uh, earlier this week. Uh, who knows if it's true? I believe him. But Demarius Thomas um, saying that he was uh, 
He was injured, uh, had a hip injury all last year, uh, wasn't able to run certain routes, wasn't able to stop. Some weeks it was worse than others. Uh, so hopefully that was true for owners and, and he, he can kind of get back to himself because I was I, I bought into him last year. and I know you're kind of liking him a little bit this year again. Uh, I am too. I'm higher on him. Uh, he's one of my pro guys. But... Uh, he just stunk last year. He just gained, watching him play just didn't look like he was on it. So hopefully it was that hip and it wasn't the quarterback situation. You know what? This always happens because you're never going to divulge an injury that was going that you were dealing with if you didn't have to. And here's another case of a guy who had a down year last year that you're going to get at a value this year. So you know we just did our mock draft and I was able to in a 12 team get him at the end of the second round. So at that point in time, when, when you're looking at the other receivers that are available, you know what Demarius can do. And, you know, I also like the fact that you have Simeon, at least, who's going to be in the offense again. So it's not like everything is brand new. Um, they, they do have, you know, you have hopefully a much better running attack if C.J. Anderson can stay on the field and give them that balance. And then I just like the fact that Demarius gets a good target share. So, you know, he's... I, I like the the upside with him. I, I don't know about the second round. The third round, I, I think he's an absolute value. Well, I said end of second round, 24th pick. Okay, I'm, I'm talking about not like 25th. I'm talking about like pick 30. Okay. Middle of the third round to where I think his, he could be a value. Last year finished wide receiver 18. I just don't know how much touchdown upside he has now without sort of Peyton Manning. You know, the last oh, well, there's no doubt it's a lot lower. The last two years, he has 11 touchdowns combined. The year before that, he had 11 alone. Like, so the touchdown expectation is a little lower. But the thing, if you get to Marius, you know you're going to get catches. Five straight years with 90-plus catches. So, target machine. Like, in PPR leagues, he's going to be there getting targets, close to 10 targets a game. And... You know, him and Emmanuel Sanders will each have their weeks where they go off. But, you know, in the third round, if you're getting 10 targets a game, it's hard to pass that up. And he's still a guy with, you know, explosive athleticism. He's getting closer, you know, to 30. He's getting up there at 29 now. But he's still a big receiver who doesn't play like it. Like, he doesn't play like the biggest receiver in the game. Um, he plays more like Julian Edelman at six foot three. He gets, he gets tattooed a lot. He gets tattooed a lot. No, no big play. Man, we talk about explosive guys that get that big touchdown game. He just doesn't seem to have that anymore. Uh, he Once in a while, he gets that screenplay where he where he can yeah. break it out. But that, he is he's not. The downfield uh, big plays seem to go more to Emmanuel Sanders. Don't you feel like all those targets? Like I want, we want, we all watch that that a lot of that team. It seems like that bubble screen is is the it, it is like when he's getting those targets. I bet you that's a third of the throws they make to him. Is that bubble screen and see if he can get it seven or bust one. I mean, it's per. I don't know if it's a third, but he he runs a lot more bubble screens yeah. than pretty much anybody else in the league. Uh, let's flip over to Emmanuel Sanders because he's another guy I think that has some value in drafts because you're getting him closer to wide receiver 30 than you are to you know where he finished last year, uh, which was pretty much right behind Demarius Thomas yeah, at wide receiver 20. They pretty much had the, exactly the same stats last year, which was crazy to think about. Emmanuel, more of that vertical threat, um, caught a fewer you know, percent of his targets because he was, you know, a little further downfield and averaged up the target. So, 
he, he's just got upside, and he he shows that ability to take it to the house. And he's he's still got that you know down on the sideline fly route that works out well for him. So I'm happy Emmanuel Sanders sort of re-signed the contract just because I I believe they have you know two bookends there. Now the draft is a question mark because they could add a third you know slot type wide receiver or third wide receiver for them or a tight end with some receiving game chops early in the draft as he could be sort of a difference maker in their offense over the middle of the field. And I think that's something that would really help Trevor Simeon because it looks like it's his job to lose again this year and talked about it. He played fairly well, you know, okay, but he's a backup quarterback who's starting in the long term. But if he's able to, you know, get both of these guys the ball at the rate he did last season, hard to complain about. Well, again, I just think that his comfort level being a second year, you know, hopefully the game slows down for him a little bit more, and then that should hopefully benefit the wide receivers as well. Well, one of the things that Staggs has pointed out in previous podcasts is this from last year, the guy, the wide receivers that finished in that 25 to 15 zone. Their average points per game is essentially they're the same player. So when you're looking at a Demarius, when you're looking at Emmanuel Sanders, when you're looking at some of the other guys like Edelman or, or a Wallace or even the top guy, Tyreek Hill and Larry Fitzgerald, they're all kind of on a weekly basis getting you that eight and a half, maybe to upwards towards nine points per week. So something to consider when you're thinking about a guy versus a different position and you're maybe a level player, you want to grab him. But if you think you can wait on another guy, look at some of that average points per game because you can maybe go move, look in your tiers and go to a different position and be like, you know what, in six picks and when it rebounds back to me, I can get the same exact guy where that's not the case at tight end. Yeah, the way I feel about it, it's like I feel like there's five locked-in elite wide receivers and there's you know five guys that are a notch below them. And then there's 40 guys that are wide receiver twos. <laughs> like, you could make an argument that way to where these guys are all in the same area. I mean, we're talking about Pierre Garçon and, you know, Kenny Britt we just talked about. Uh, all guys with 1,000 yards sort of upside season who could catch, you know, five or six touchdowns, maybe eight at the high end. And there's just a lot of those guys in the NFL and with how the league is going – there's a lot of those guys. So with your tiers, you can do some interesting things uh, in, in that sort of aspect. Yeah, I, I think what – it's taking forever to load, excuse me, but how many wide, uh, wide receivers got 1,000 last year? Wasn't it like 23 or something? I don't know why it's taking me a long time to load. That's not That doesn't bode well for us on the show. Um, come on. Come on, Lee. Come on. Come on. I'm a drunk. I don't know nothing about how I do anything. <laughs> 23, I got it right. Oh, my God. It took a, and there was actually uh, Devontae Adams was three yards away from 1,000. So there's 23 1,000-yard receivers last year. Pretty incredible. Um, thank God we are not drinking any Valverde's this morning on Saturday. I might have a couple during that third show we do with the tight ends. But um, it's kind of fun uh, being sober when we do the show and not having these cracks. Truth is... And I said this to, to a guy on Twitter, uh, Avid Cohen, uh, called me out on botching a bunch of names while being drunk on last show uh, over Twitter. I'm going to botch names sober 
drunk. I mean, it's just, I'm, it's just a part of the deal, dude. So there's, there's, that's one of the funny things that both my family and my friends always said, like, we can't, sometimes we can't tell whether you're drunk or sober. Like, you're kind of like, you talk the same, you say the same weird bullshit. You're, you're, I'm an animal, rough around the edges animal either way. So I, it is what it is. Um, so, but thanks for pointing that out, buddy. <laughs> so, Denver, we're talking about the rest of their depth chart now. I mean, they got guys like Benny Fowler and Jordan Taylor who, who aren't fantasy relevant. But the thing is, like, Denver's formation usage, like, was heavily, heavily influenced last season by three-plus wide receivers. I mean, on... You know, half of their plays last season, they had three. Then they, you know, had 123 plays with four wide receivers on the play. Uh, and then, you know, uh, the most, or the second most with five wide receivers on the play in the league. Uh, how much do you think that was also uh, part in, you know, due in part to the fact that they had such a hard time running the ball, that Devonta Booker just didn't have it when we were you know coming down down the stretch and they didn't have that running game that they could rely on. I think it's a lot. CJ got hurt obviously, but also you add to the fact that they all last season um, they were they kind of had gloves on on the quarterback position because they had to. And you they had to, they had the game plan around you know this guy it's like he's not Simeon's not really a uh, a, a, a throwing guy as Stag said it's a backup quarterback starting um, so in general I think maybe that changes a bit this year he's got a season under his belt they've got an off season together they've got a new coach. You know, you got a, a new coach coming in. Who knows what Vance uh, Johnson's going to kind of do with Oh, him. there it is. Botch name. Vance right. Johnson. Is it again? Vance Joseph. Joseph. Vance Johnson was one of the three amigos, though. <laughs> it wasn't? Chucky. Vance. Okay, Joseph. 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 All right. See, I told you. I told you, Aviad. No beers in me yet, buddy. I didn't even drink one last night, and I'd still botch him. Vance Johnson. <laughs> Vance, I remember him. Yeah. I love him. Yeah, he was good. Uh Go on. Sorry. Um, Botch one. Yeah, that, that's an interesting sort of makeup for how they're going to run this offense because we're a little bit you know, further removed from the Kubiak offense. And what did they bring in? Uh, Mike McCoy and Bill Musgrave. Yeah. And, and sort of, which is two great offensive coordinators. You know, they're going to combine on this offense. Now, how does this offense look? Is it a dink and dunk style offense that we've seen from Mike McCoy the last couple of years? Well, Mike McCoy, when he was back with Denver, had a very vertical style. Right. That's so, awesome. so that's interesting. But I think I it's good. McCoy. I think it's good for both of those wide receivers. Either way, the third wide receiver, you know, it's interesting. Are they going to add somebody? Cool. All right. I think we can move on to the Houston Texans. Is that four straight teams where I think they yeah. can add somebody? Yeah. Well, no. Yeah. Yeah. It is that. But one thing before we get into the Houston Texans, how about you guys listen to this and one of our sponsors? Holla, holla, holla. Um, all right, we are going to go into the Houston Texans. DeAndre Hopkins, obviously coming off a uh, super poor season. The targets were there. The fantasy points weren't. 
Will Fuller on the flip side, I'll just bounce this out and then you guys can kind of talk and I'll shut up a bit. Will Fuller came out gangbusters, first four or five games last year. Everyone in the league was like, holy crap, how do we miss out on this guy? He came back to earth, obviously. But he's got that stretch the field uh, capability. And then um, Braxton Miller, a guy I think that's going to be able to uh, progress in his second year uh, just because he's new to the position. Uh, what do you guys see happening with the Texans? Uh, can can they get it done? I, I think the Texans are a very interesting wide receiving core. I think a lot of it's really going to depend on what ends up happening at the quarterback position uh, for this team. Is it going to be Tom Savage? And, and even if it is Tom Savage, I'm not as upset about that. He, he was much better than what Brock Osweiler was doing. Uh, so when you when you think about the fact that Brock was just so ineffective, and that just completely derailed the rest of the offense and they were you know think about what this offense had done when, when you had guys like Brian Hoyer under under quarterback there right so there is potential so depending on who they bring in especially if they can bring in someone that can throw that deep ball that's where Will uh, Fuller comes into bigger play the biggest problem for him is he had a couple that just he drops Oh and it's God. it's just so frustrating because he's probably got about three yards on the on the defender, and all he's got to do is just, you can almost just, just stop and catch the ball, man, and, and and you can still probably run away from the guy. It was brutal. He left a lot of points on the uh, on the table last year for owners. And last thing I'll say before I turn it over to to, to Stags here is there's still it be even be uh, beyond Braxton Miller, who I think is is definitely interesting because of his growth into the position. But you also still have Jalen Strong uh, on this team as well, who showed you a little bit. I don't know that it, you know it's anything that you're going to write home about, but at the same time, I just like the depth of this bunch. So if you can put a halfway decent quarterback there, I and where these guys are all being drafted because of the Brock Osweiler effect, you're going to get value. Yep. I, I like some of the things. I don't like Will Fuller. But, uh, the thing is, is this offense, how much support does the quarterback have around him? Like, it looks like it's a lot of playmakers, but the offense as a whole doesn't seem to know how to you know effectively use them. And DeAndre Hopkins. Like, whatever we want to say about how bad DeAndre Hopkins' season was, is it because of the quarterback? I mean, he regressed in some ways last year. He didn't, you know, the routes he runs didn't really mesh with Brock Osweiler. Uh, we know he's not a great yak receiver. So if a quarterback physically can't throw the ball out to him, it's going to be tougher for him. Isn't that an issue maybe that happened last year? Remember we, the complaint with him is the guy goes down and he gets he catches a ball and he goes down right away. So what did he do last offseason? He beefed up. He put on, what, 10, 15 pounds of muscle. Do you think that affected his game where he got slower and maybe he just he's never going to be a yak guy, so maybe he should just play slider so that he's got that burst? And it, could, could that have been an issue for him last year? I, it's possible. I mean, you know, we, we've seen that happen before. You know, there... Be I don't, who you I, are. Be I, who you I, are. You, you I, can't I, a pro I, bowler by being you. Yeah, but you and also you, still need to get a little bit tougher so you can take the, the, yeah. the hits and, and withstand it. But I, I also just think it was that whole team just didn't really have much of an, an identity. I mean, look, Lamar Miller is a much better player than we saw, you know, he just didn't didn't get any of the big break games. They didn't have any big impact plays in that offense. And you have Brock Osweiler that, that, can't push the ball down the field. This is my point. Yards. So it's the Brock Osweiler effect because you have Hopkins and Miller alone. 
That's two major playmakers. You throw in Will Fuller with his uh, big playability as well. You have big playability all over this this team. You just need someone to distribute the ball to them. But it's still a vertical passing game. So not just any quarterback can come in and execute a vertical passing game. I mean, any quarterback can come in and run a dink-dunk spread offense, take care of the ball, and win enough. But when your receivers aren't built that way, you know, it's much harder for it to work. Do you think one thing, remember the play where uh, DeAndre stepped out of bounds, but he actually didn't? They called him out. Was that a playoff or was that regular season? Because that was like a 60-yard touchdown taken off the table. That probably would have have catapulted him up a little bit, considering DeAndre. 12 points. 12 points. So DeAndre Hopkins finished 35th with 119. That would have put him, wow, that would have put him into 20th. <laughs> and then we'd have a slide ahead of Emmanuel Sanders, but that, that one play that they called him out of bounds didn't happen. Wow. That's just... an interesting call. But going, <laughs> going back to the thing about DeAndre Hopkins' body and him putting on weight, like I don't think he actually did. He looked pretty much the same. I, I don't know. Like that's just not part of his game. Like some receivers aren't good at that, but what they are good at is going up and high pointing the ball. And that makes it a lot harder to get. Yeah, when you're jumping at the catch point every time, yeah. it's harder to run after the catch. I don't fucking get the argument. Like, I completely agree. And you look at Antonio Brown. It's like the perfect example. This guy's not plowing through people. He's getting the ball in the perfect spot. He's on the run. He's cruising across. And he's able to get stuff done. Where if you can just get the ball to the, uh, DeAndre a little bit better, he's going to be able to do some of those same things. I say we move on yeah, to another. Jerry Rice, in his career, how many times did you see him just break into Tackles all the way down the field. Yeah, he, I mean, he, 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 he ran a perfect he was, route. He was better at throwing the ball think, in, in, in perfect stride, and he was gone. And then he was scared. He had that scared. Scared speed. running. Yeah. I mean, it, this team is going to be need, need to be revisited after the draft. If they add somebody in the draft, or if it's Tom Savage, I'm probably going to completely adjust my expectations. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins will still have you know top twelve upside because of we've seen him do it with bad quarterbacks. But we can't just automatically say that the quarterback position is going to play better because it was so bad last year. Like, motherfucker, we said that about the position last year in Houston. We said, quarterback play can't get any worse. And then it did. Like, that, it's bad. (laughs) Don't say that shit. Like, it can get worse. (laughs) Stags. Get him, buddy. Get him. All That's right. why I think they're going to end up at some point either, you know, bringing in it, someone like Jay Cutler or something like that. I, I, I expect that to happen. I Does that mean that I think – I think that is a measure up, though, from where they were. Jay I mean, Cutler would be a huge upgrade. Yeah. yeah. I don't even like – I fucking hate Jay Cutler. All right. But I mean, huge upgrade. Like it's not that hard to figure this out. Yeah. Right. If, if you like Tom Savage that much, great. He's Jay Cutler's backup because Jay Cutler's going to get hurt for fucking six games. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go to the Indianapolis Colts. The Houston Texans, god damn it. And people still think this is a Super Bowl caliber team. That just shows you. Get, could you imagine if these guys just friggin' had a quarterback these last few years? Um, unbelievable. All right. Interesting to see uh, Watton and Clowney both healthy. And merciless, yeah. and they're, you know, they can add a player in the first or second round. For sure. All right, Indianapolis Colts. Um, burnt T. Y. Hilton. He's in that. He's in that top top tier. I think he's he's a still step. got a man crush. Yeah, he's a, little, he's a step behind 
Evans, but he's he's in that he's in that zone. He's going high and well deserved of it. Guys, uh, I mean, is there anything we need to say about him? Really? I mean, Ty Hilton, the only he's a step down because of touchdown upside. Like he's small. They don't use him in sort of those. You know, we saw a couple. You know, Chiefs plays where they use Tyree Kill on. They don't run those screen and pick plays near the goal line. Right. They they like to you know get their tight ends vertical and that's how they score their touchdowns. They like to give it off to uh, Frank Gore. Nope, sorry, that's Robert Turbin. Um, <laughs> and they like to do things like that. They're a pretty traditional style offense in that respect. Um, T. Y. Hilton needs to score touchdowns to get even higher because he led the league in receiving yards last season, but wasn't. You know, a top tier receiver because of touchdowns, mm-hmm. and that's just something that's always going to keep him low. Dante Moncrief, like, just everybody's still drafting him in the fourth or fifth round, yeah. expecting like a thousand and eight touchdowns, and I just don't know if he's ever going to be more than a red zone player. Uh, and that's the interest. That's the tough part. Like, is he going to develop more? Into being a target monster. Well, don't they need him to? Because you need to have more balance amongst these receivers. Because is Philip Dorsett going to step up and take that role? Um, you know, I don't know that I see that happening necessarily. Is this a team that needs to go out and bring somebody else in, like they tried to a couple of years ago? Uh, was, it, was it last year with Andre Johnson? Uh, last year. Uh, you know, not last year. The year before. The year before. Yeah. So. I still think that they they really need to have that bigger, like Demarius Thomas type receiver, so that T. Y. Hilton can really be be even better. You know, um, well to give you guys that uh, the scheduling thing that I'll pop in every here every once in a while, just if it's pertinent. This is a tough one. Week for Indianapolis Colts, and this affects obviously Luck as well. Uh, week fifteen is Denver. Week sixteen is Baltimore. So that's tough, and then Mike, Homer, Mike, Homer, Mike Clay Homer. has them as having the toughest uh, pass defense schedule on the season because they're going up against Houston, they Tennessee, Jacksonville twice. Um, they're going up against some tough Denver, like I said. They go against those Baltimore, home? Arizona, the Rams. They go up against Cincinnati. They got a tough schedule. Were those home or road uh, for weeks fifteen and week sixteen? Uh, they are uh, at Denver and uh, at Baltimore, home against Denver. Hmm. But yeah, still, it's Denver. still still Denver. It's, yeah, it's tough. So, um, so the thing is with Andrew Luck, they got it done with the deep ball last year. They finished fifth in deep passing yards. This is a team that will use a lot of one back sets, single back sets with Frank Gore. So that means there's going to be three receivers on the field a lot, or two tight ends and two receivers. So that guy next to Ty Hilton is going to be on the field a ton. Now, sometimes it'll be Dante Moncrief, sometimes it'll be Philip Dorsett, but T.Y. Hilton's going to be out there a ton. Vertical pass game with T.Y. Hilton is huge. Uh, Kamara Aiken. Aiken. That's the guy Aiken. I was going to ask Aiken's about. The guy. Is he going to replace Dorsett? He's probably going to be that second guy out there just because of his a little bit more size, and you know, he, he could be. He's not going to stretch player. the field, but you already have enough guys that stretch the field. He's a good player. I mean, Kamara Aiken's an underneath. Target. He's not big. He's not fat. He's a jack. Like, but he's a good player. Like, he's a solid pro. But he's, he's not anywhere near dynamic or something that he needs. But to does he? Does he? But does he benefit because at least is being 
you know, not a broken down Andre Johnson. He at least still has a little bit of upside. And if you have guys like Hilton and, and Dorsett or Moncrief who are stretching everybody else and the defense is down, and, and Luck can get the ball to him, you might well, I think he's a, I think that's it. He's a safety blanket. They got rid of Dwayne Allen because he couldn't block shit. He wasn't great at catching the ball anyways. Doyle, they're all in on a tight end. I think they brought in Aiken being like, hey, you know what? This guy can find a little a seam. He can he can exploit some um, some some uh, coverages and uh, zone coverages. And he's just going to be a good safety blanket that can stay open and be a smart kind of Bolden-esque kind of player. I don't know if they have that high of hopes for him. I think it's more... Hey, is it? Remember who they were left left with when Dante Moncrief and Philip Dorsett were both kind of injured in the middle of the season, and they're throwing out guys from the CFL that you've never fucking heard of as their secondary receiver to T.Y. Hilton, and you've got a you know hundred million dollar quarterback. You don't want to do that. That that's bad, you know, team management. So I think he's just the pro's pro to where when we need him, he'll be there, and he can sort of do all the different roles. And if Phil Dorsett falls on his face again, he's the guy, the first one up. Who was the guy, that, who was the GM that they got rid of last year? Grayson. Yeah. So remember last year with all that, when when those players were playing that you talked about, he literally said, he's like, well, when you give Andrew Luck all that money, it's really going to affect a lot of other spots on the team. It was the dumbest thing I've ever heard a GM say. Well, he's like, you need to be fired because you're an asshole. The thing is, like, oh, but you had Andrew Luck for four years in a rookie scale contract, yeah, uh, and you, you jag that off, so, <laughs> like, see ya. All right, should we move on to the next one? Jacksonville Jaguars. Speaking of Jags. Yeah, Jags. <laughs> but, you know, Jags is actually a, a Pittsburgh term. I lived with a Pittsburgh girl, one of my best friends in San Francisco. It comes from, it comes, it's a Jag. It's just like a, a douchebag from Pittsburgh. It's a term. I don't know. She's like, that goes from Pittsburgh. So I say Jag. I'm like, how does a word like that come? She trust me. And we, like, looked it up, and she, she proved it to me. I'm like, all right, you're right. We'll give you Pittsburgh. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> you get Deer Hunter and Jag. We'll give you that. Uh, all right, Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Allen Robinson. God, you think about a year ago where he was sitting and how pumped people were. Are you guys, help, uh, before we get into anything else, are you feeling like he can rebound and be back in that, um, let's say, top tier, top three tier zone? Is, or top are 12. You, are is you, he a top 12 is receiver? He a top 12, is, he, is he wide receiver one in a 12-man league? Or are you staying away and not, not going to? Gamble on that. I'm not going to pay up for him. You know, I, I think there was a lot of lightning in a bottle caught in that first year, uh, which really surprised me uh, because he doesn't have that ridiculous downfield speed. He doesn't, you know, he's he's a solid receiver. I think it's kind of similar to like a guy like Kelvin Benjamin, right? And, Whoa! Uh, no. Whoa! Hold on, hold on, hold on. Fuck, fucking stop Keenan, right now! Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen. He's like a good football player. Hang on a second. Let me make let me, let me make the point of a Don't guy. Don't bring in fucking trash into an Allen Robinson argument. Um, I'm bringing in a parallel of a guy that had a fantastic rookie season. Okay. That everybody Allen thought was in the second year. Yeah, it was. Okay. Well, but a fantastic season that everyone thought was then going to be was building up into. I fell prey to it. I'm not fall prey to it again. I'm just saying with Allen Robinson and this offense, the way that it's, it's constructed, he's going to get a ton of targets. He's going to be, he could be a good receiver. Is he ever going to be that 1,400 yard receiver again, in, in my opinion? No. But uh, can you maybe get 1,100 yards? Is he going to be that 14 touchdown guy again? No. 
I think you could maybe get eleven hundred and maybe eight, and that, that that'd be that'd be great. I think he can do it still, but I think it's not going to be while he's on the Jaguars and he's splitting after the, the. I don't know how many how much longer they got him under contract, but if, if this is his last year, he's like, see ya. And then he's he's already the said I want a new contract from the Jaguars, though. You really think he's going anywhere? But they don't give it to him. Yeah, he's go, mean, go, sure. Go get, a, go get a situation. But then next year they that. franchise tag him because they've got all the power, just like always. Hey, if I was a wide receiver. The way those guys get paid, give me the franchise tag. That's a lot of dough. It's, what is it, 18, 19 million right Prob- now? Probably yeah. next year, yeah. Um, so, so, Jackson, Allen Robinson is not Kelvin Benjamin. I get it. I didn't <laughs> say that he, he was he Kelvin was, Benjamin. I'm making the season, not exactly. the body. Okay, but it's not going to be anywhere <laughs> close to that. Like, Allen Robinson has so much more upside. He's much faster than. Again, I did not make a comparison of player from Alan Robinson to Calvin Benjamin. Whatever he says isn't isn't a bother. All right, right, go for it. Okay. (laughs) The reason Alan Robinson fell off last season is because of Blake Bortles. And half of it is sort of luck. Because deep passing is variable year to year. Last year they were 30th in deep passes. The year before that they were first. So if he can get a little bit of the action back... Regress to the mean, he's going to be you know, very good again. Uh, touchdowns, we always knew they weren't going to... Blake Bortles wasn't going to throw 35 touchdowns. He wasn't getting 14 of those. We guaranteed that. It was like just something that was written on the wall not happening. <laughs> um, a lot of different things go into that, though. But Allen Robinson is a talented, talented football player. He should have been drafted in the first round of that draft instead of the second round, you know, after Marquise Lee. He is both similar players, Des Bryant. So why can't he be, you know, closer to Des Bryant and catch multiple touchdowns? And we've seen his ability in the red zone to make plays on fade routes and slant routes and box out you know smaller defenders and even take safeties over the top he just runs such a varied route tree and can do so many different things as a pure wide he's one of the best pure wide receivers in the league now we just need Blake Bortles to accommodate that and, and that's the only thing we're worried about is can Blake Wardles be closer to average than fucking awful like he was last year? I agree. And watching the games last year, it was Bortles just under-throwing, like, literally by seven yards. And it's just like, how the fuck did that happen? What do you guys think about um, Mr. Alan Hearns? Obviously, that two years ago, big season himself, got got a little bit of money. Is he going to get back there? Is now Marquise Lee the second-best option on that team? I think it's both. I think they're both. They're both in that middle middle range. <laughs> yeah, I think they're I think, pretty good second guy. I think they're not going to use the tight end. So I think they're going to be a heavy, heavy three wide receiver team. Marquise Lee is going to be the underneath guy with Alan Hearns a little bit in the more of the intermediate. You know, Marquise Lee will be better at yak, but Alan Hearns will have some more touchdown upside. They'll each have sort of aspects that they each do well. I think PPR leagues might be better for Marquise Lee. Standard leagues, you know, slight. But they're both depth wide receivers in fantasy. Are they fours or fives? Maybe sixes in that range? They're backups. That's all I can tell you for sure. But Alan Hearns, we've seen a little bit of upside from previously. Now we just need Blake Bortles to play like an average quarterback, even though he's never been average. I mean, even in the season where he threw 35 touchdowns, 
it was a trailing, trailing, trailing type of aspect. And now if they want to go to a, you know, their defense is good now. Do they want to go draft Leonard Fournette and then be a run-first team and protect Bortles? Because then we're talking about a totally different thing. Does that help? Sorry to interrupt you, Houdini. Is that, does that help maybe uh, um, an Allen Robinson if they grab a Fournette and, they, and, and they, they start kind of figuring out a way to make it a little more balanced off? I don't think that long so. Term? No? Okay. Uh, this, this is all, all the reasons why. I'm just not on the Jaguars. I, I'm, I'm not on, you know... I think they're going to do something with the running attack. They, uh, I don't like Alan Hearns. I, I'll take Marquise Lee over Alan Hearns. I know Alan Hearns showed it a couple of years ago, but man, the thing is that he was just like go through games last year, not even get targeted. Uh, it was, it was, it was weak. It was like he was just not giving you any numbers. I mean, I had, I had him. I had injuries on my teams, and I had to start that son of a bitch last year. I was like, it was just, it was Dregsville. So. I'm. I think that that Lee just has a little bit more upside in that regard, but I don't want any part of these guys. All right, let's move on. For me, Allen Robinson. I hope he can do it because I like him. He was a keeper for me last year, and just a, a severe uh, duds keep. But yeah, I think um, this is a good time for us to do. Uh, yeah, we'll do. Uh, we'll do. We'll listen to this. We'll do another ad ski here. Uh, keep the lights on for us, and after this, we're going to get into the Kansas City Chiefs. Ohms. Ohms. Hold on, I gotta put this down. We've got a fucking Tyreek Hill conversation to have. Uh oh. <laughs> get, get He's going. getting serious get over here, folks. Um, yeah, Tyreek Hill, that guy is a polarizing uh, character in fantasy. People, like, love teams that they see with him. People love that guy and they think he's gonna. I'm just gonna say this. That, those numbers are coming down. I just do not feel like he's going to be able to... Let, let, let's but no, no, let me, let me, let me, because okay. I just have a real short okay. thing and then I'm going to let him have the floor. Okay. I also do not believe in those numbers. A lot of it is gimmicky. A lot of it is, you know what, now there's game film on him. I just think there's going to be a big, a bigger regression for him uh, in, in year two. Yes, you're both fucking assholes. You're supposed to come up with pro arguments <laughs> so <laughs> I can shit Archer, on him. You wish Archer was here. Archer loves him. Yeah. I mean... Archer, Waz, both are on the pro, so I'm going to fucking conference Waz in right now <laughs> to give a Tyreek Hill pro argument. No, but the, the thing is, a lot of the production came with Jeremy Macklin. He played you know, 45 uh, snaps a game without Jeremy Macklin. With him on the field, he was closer to 30. Like, all those things, there's so many aspects that are like, is this a regression? Let's see. How many different ways did Tyreek Hill score last season, Houdini? Oh, well, let's see. He had a rushing touchdown. He had a receiving touchdown. He had a kick return touchdown. And he had a punt return touchdown. Yeah. So he scored basically all four ways you could score unless they put him back on defensive back and he took back an interception return. Um, besides that, he scored every way possible. What was his total touchdowns last season? What, like 12? 12? Like, hmm. Did he have three rushing touchdowns and, what, six receiving touchdowns and three return touchdowns? Yes. Um, we've seen from guys like Devin Hester, who, when asked to do more on offense, lose that magic touch on special teams. Remember so, the X Factor on Kansas City? Hall, Dante, Hall. Dante Hall. Same thing from yep. 10 years ago. He was just unstoppable. Everyone next the next season, he's getting drafted by fantasy people. You're like, you literally got no points from that draft pick. Well, because also what's going to happen, because they keep running with him 
those jet sweeps and stuff, right? Well, eventually, here's what's going to happen with the little guy when you fake it to him. The, the defender, when they're preparing for that week, whoever's that edge guy, I don't care what you do, you lay him on his ass. Yeah. Every time that he comes around, and then all of a sudden, he's going to be more tentative coming around those corners, and you slow him down that way, too. Other, other things, he had 24 rushing attempts. Okay, so if we think he's going to do that, great. Do you really think he's going to have two rushing attempts a game? Like, can you see more rushes? Sure, maybe he can get to think, 30 or 32. But he's that. never going to be the 50 or 60 rush guy. He's not going to be, you know, maybe Ty Montgomery. That's not going to be his next thing. But How about young Randall Cobb? Young Randall Cobb had, yeah, but he was more in the 30 range too. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if he's ever going to see more of that. Like, he's never going to get close to 50 in yeah. my estimation. He had one of the seasons where he had more yards per rush than yards per catch. And that's sort of rare. So we can see his yards per rush falling. He averaged, what, 10 yards per rush, over 10. But four carries, he had 180 yards. So, unless he's taking everyone to the house, it's not going to be great. He averaged is that 10. true? Four carries were 100, but basically were 180 yards. Yes. Yes. That's, <laughs> That's hilarious. Like, uh, he literally took a bunch of, of oh, handoffs yeah. from the running back position, and it was just like, bye. He's no, one of the, but it's also because teams weren't expecting him to do that. You know? That, again, it, it, they should have. I, I like him and what he does to defense special teams for for the Kansas City Chiefs defense. I love them this year in fantasy football. Cuz I think he I think he can return three three do three returns sure. in the kickoff team. I don't know how that score if you some leagues you get 6 points for that if you have him starting your offense. I'm in one where you only you don't get those points. That's you only you only get it if you've got their 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 their, their defense. Uh, I, I'm in a league, so yeah. I don't want them in that. Let league. me tell you what, though, you should, they should change the damn rules because did that player score a touchdown? Yeah. Did that touchdown count in, in NFL points? I agree. He scored the touchdown. He gets the he doesn't get the yards, but he gets the touchdown points. I agree. Okay, let's talk about it. No, don't say sorry. Stag, Stags is going down the list. Now, <laughs> now, now, let's talk. <laughs> check, check. Now let's talk about his receiving game. <laughs> Tell everybody I'm not even looking at my fucking computer. He's not. 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 What, 594 receiving yards coming off of that? Uh, six touchdowns. Mm, those are pretty close, but he's 5'10". You don't expect six touchdowns for, in the receiving game from a guy that size. Uh, we've seen it before. Like Unless he's taking it to the house, how is he going to be near the red zone and near the goal line? And, and it's probably not going to be much. But mostly it just comes down to Jeremy Macklin's back. Yeah. This is a conservative offense. Their offense as a whole is capped to like, what, 4,000 passing yards? Well, that's uh, that'd be, that high. That's oh, really high for them, I would think. Mm, look it up. Look, I'll look it up right now. <laughs> they're capped. Like, this is ceiling. I'm saying they're capped. No, I, but I, I agree, that, but I think and, you gave them too much. But. And what? 23, 24 passing 35, 3,500 for Alex Smith. Oh, but he I, missed a game. Oh. Or he missed a game and a half, right? He played 15, so who's there? Missed a game and a half. I don't get it. 
Uh, just go to F today and go to quarterbacks. Uh, he had four hundred. He had four hundred yard. Nick Foles. Uh, yeah. Okay. So they're capped at four thousand yards. Like that's their cap and twenty three passing touchdowns. Okay, Travis Kelsey. Travis underutilized Kelsey. last year. Travis Kelsey underutilized for the beginning of the season. Yeah. And then they started feeding him the ball, and the offense really took off. So you're gonna use Travis Kelsey more because yeah, he's one of the most dynamic. You know, weapon X's in the league. The slant and the post with them, it's an impossible for anyone to guard. Impossible. He should be getting that thing thrown to him seven times per game. Impossible. Whenever they throw it, he either gets breaks a long one or he, he goes into a safety. It is one of the most unstoppable plays in the NFL right now. Uh, let's see. Jeremy Macklin back. Macklin's a thousand yard receiver. What was he a couple years ago in Kansas City? Nearly 1,100 yards. So now we're talking about you know half of their passing yards going to at least these guys. A lot of their touchdowns going to Travis Kelsey. Well, we know that Andy Reid's going to throw to the running back. He's going to throw to the running back what? 23% of the time, you know, a very high rate. They're going to also score some receiving touchdowns. There's that. Um, they're going to throw to the secondary tight end. Oh, and now the rest is for the rest of the receiving core. And the rest of the receiving core is going to have some plays from guys like Albert Wilson and guys like uh, Demarcus Robinson, who they drafted last year, and, and other players. Conley. Uh, Chris Conley and his athletic ability. They, they've got so many guys there as other weapons, and Andy Reid likes to use them all. So, you look at the piece of the pie left for Tyreek Hill, and it's sort of small already. And they're talking about drafting somebody? Like, don't... The, Kansas, back, right? Kansas City drafting a... No, a receiver, okay. too. The Kansas City drafting a receiver would be a mistake. Like, I can't see any reason for them to do it, as they're currently constructed. So, that I, that's my problems. Well, the other thing, <laughs> here's the other problem. Just that, a couple... On, on the uh, looking at it on the whole, and, and this is where I always find it to be interesting. You know, we go back to the conversation about power and numbers. You want the teams that score a lot of offensive points, and the thing is, I, I think there's a misconception because of Kansas City's defense, which is also very high, uh, turning the, the ball over. Uh, so if they're that high turning the ball over, why doesn't it translate into more touchdowns for the offense? And it, it just doesn't. So when you look at those points, a lot of it's defensive touchdowns. You have the special teams touchdowns that they're able to score. So a lot of defensive touchdowns. I, I don't understand where, where people look at a team like Kansas City, and we've seen this basically the, the type of offense that they've been for a long time. Yeah. Go back to when Dwayne Bowe was young and everything in their offense. They were still not a very amazingly dynamic top 15 offense. Four years so, ago, they had zero. We're talking about wide receivers. They had zero receiving TDs. Right. So when you, when you have this with this situation, I don't understand the people who are like now all of a sudden you add this Tyree kill. This was still with Alex Smith at the helm. That this is all of a sudden going to become this different offense and a new version that we haven't seen before. This is an old quarterback with an old coach that does things this way. Yeah, and agreeing with that. But their offense, like. In points scored, they're usually right around league average. Yeah, That's exactly. where they are. Like they're 20 not, to 23 They're, they're not going to be the worst. Right. They're, they're not going to be the best. Uh, but they're also a slow-paced team. 
so they're not going to run a ton of plays in a game, which also limits his upside. Yeah. Well, so think like, about when they do score. If they do score 44 points in the game, how many passing yards are you actually getting out of those games from, from Alex Smith? It's probably about 210. Yeah. Uh, they're getting like a, a defensive touchdown. They're getting all this other stuff. So it's... You forget it. I like Jeremy Macklin as a rebound, though. Yeah, I like, I, I, I like it too. I, he was going late in our draft. I uh, I, he's I, going. He was, super he was my next pick in that mock draft. The trade. Uh, who says you can do trades? I don't Those, know. That trade fucked me on Martavis. That's who I was picking, and fucked me on Macklin. <laughs> Buck. Buck got these two picks. Both of them went right before me. I'm like. Why are we letting these guys trade? I would have had Martavis and Macklin on my team if that not happened. We should next one no trade. I mean, it, what? I, I thought it was fine. It didn't bother me, but I was just like fucking Archer. Archer was all he wants to do. Just so you know, and Archer, you're listening. He's a sniper, dude. Yeah. He loves all he wants to do. He would text me like, "Did I snipe you there?" I? He's just trying to <laughs> snipe everyone. He's like, "Oh, I'm about to go on." Who's the the one rookie that uh, he grabbed from uh, from Waz? The real late Jay, uh, whatever. But uh, South Carolina dude. Uh, he's like, "I'm gonna snipe. I'm gonna snipe Waz on this rookie wide receiver right now." Uh, JJ ZZ, I don't remember it. Anyway, let's go on to. So Macklin's price is wide receiver what? 58? Zay Jones. Okay. Zay Jones. What a a name. Zay. So wide receiver 58. You're getting that from Macklin. Like, pay up. Like, what's the worst that's going to happen? He's going to catch 80 passes as long as he's healthy and get close to 1,000 yards and he won't have much. Like, he's another one of those guys when I say there's 40 wide receiver twos. Jeremy Macklin's right there. Uh, with that sort of potential, even if Jeremy or even if uh, Tyreek Hill goes a little bit more and he goes a little bit better than I think he's going to do, I still think there's plenty of a role. But he's Macklin. getting drafted so much higher than Macklin. Fourth round for Tyreek Hill, and that's crazy. that's my overall. Like, I like Tyreek Hill. I don't want to play a fourth or fifth round price. Yeah. If I can get him in the sixth, seventh, eighth, I'd consider it. Last thing we're gonna say, we're gonna move on. Couldn't you? Don't you think maybe a little bit the Jamal Charles element? The fact that they kind of thought he was coming back, he came and he was gone. Don't you think that kind of really helped the Tyreek Hill? Where it's like. Fuck, we, we 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 lost our only real dynamic player in sure. in, in, a, in a Charles. Uh, we got this young kid. He's just gonna kind of be our dynamic guy now. And then now they're gonna be able to off season either draft a running back, figure some shit out. Where I think that just I agree with you wholeheartedly. Think the the pie the pie for this guy is not very big. It's like a it's it's a, he went to get a, a slice. Um, L.A. Chargers. Wait. Oh, yeah. I'm looking at two yeah. L.A. teams. It always confused me. Uh, L.A. Chargers. They actually put the L.A. Chargers down in the right spot. Yeah. The alphabetical order. It was, it was that, down yeah. by the uh, S's. Good point. That, that's oh. what confused me. I need to take my shirt off for the L.A. Chargers. Wide receiver argument. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Keenan Allen, another one of Stag Party's favorite. Uh, let's let's go. Let's start there. Well, Keenan this Allen. This is a whole interesting. This is an interesting yeah. group. Well, I don't know why I like the best. Is I love Inman. Well, I like Terrell, but I'm surprised he's actually going pretty and high. And Travis Benjamin there, too. Oh, yeah, that's right. He, he had a good year. Well, let's just talk about it. I'll let you guys kind of do 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 more on that one. I don't know all that much about him. Uh, I'm staying away from Keenan Allen. That's all. <laughs> I, I'm one of the guys that got burned by Keenan Allen last year uh, in two leagues. So I'm staying away. Uh, he, he's, you know, we talk about, uh, you know, the other L.A. team that had Kenny Britt, I think, uh, when I when I think of Keenan Allen, I think of uh, peanut butter brittle. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm 
Now, Tyrell Williams was the guy also that had that huge uh, second half of the season and made that huge uh, that step forward. And I think everyone's kind of thinking that he's going to continue on that up, upward swing. I don't know that I'm sold on that. I, I think that it's kind of, you know, I, I think we kind of saw a, a lot of what you're going to see out of him. I, I'm... I'm a little bit concerned there. I think the, the other concern is that if Keenan Allen's back, that's going to eat into what Tyrell Williams does. I think that you also have a guy in um, uh, Philip Rivers who can spread the ball around. But the thing I love about Philip Rivers, I've, I've always been a, a big fan of Rivers. He, you talk about putting the ball where it needs to be and, and hitting the receiver in perfect stride. He does that. Um, it's a janky way that he kind of has that throwing motion, but man, he, he just delivers the ball and, and he can also throw a very nice deep ball. So I also think, though, that it's going to hurt these wide receivers is you're going to see, you know, Antonio Gates is still on the team, but I think you're going to start seeing a lot more uh, of the tight end here. You're going to see Hunter Henry. I think he's going to be making a big splash this year. So um, those are all just reasons that I, I think that you're going to get decent numbers and you're going to get some good games but I don't think you're going to get necessarily the consistency that you know when, what the people who had Tyrell Williams were getting out of him toward the end of the year I don't know that you're going to get that with the emergence of Hunter Henry and the return of Keenan Allen um, the thing is you don't have to pay for that like mm-hmm. people are already drafting Tyrell Williams what I receive a 40 like at that price you know it's fair it's like you got the rest built in that he's not you know a wide receiver too you know Great as he was last season, I like Tyrell Williams at that price. I like him a lot more than Keenan Allen at his price. So let's go back to this offense as a whole. But what did you answer real quick? This will be around the other team. Would you rather have uh, Tyrell Williams paying to get him at forty or Jeremy Macklin paying to get him at fifty-eight? Tyrell Williams. Okay. More dynamic offense, better touchdown upside, things along those lines. Juice. <laughs> you know, age of player. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, he's, no. he's still uh, playing for a con. He's playing for. A it's an interesting, con- it's an interesting for, argument. For you're thinking about where you're going to get the, you know, the maybe the thousand yards and, and maybe eight touchdowns for Macklin, eighteen picks later. I mean, that, you know, at the position. So, sure. Uh, so this offense as a whole, it's a Ken Wisenhunt style offense, right? He was retained as the offensive coordinator. Anthony Lynn was a very you know run heavy offensive coordinator in uh, Buffalo. So. We have to start thinking about Melvin Gordon's going to get a lot of work in the run game. And we also have to think that they're going to throw it to Melvin Gordon or another running back a lot of the time, 20% of the time. They're going to be very involved in the pass game. Hunter Henry, Antonio Gates, there's another 25% of the target share maybe. So now we're left with 55% of the target share between three wide receivers or four wide receivers, however many you really like there. Um, Basically, do you really think that it's all going to go to Keaton Allen? Like, you think over half of that target shares? The 30% target share for Keaton Allen should be gone. And people are drafting him in the second and third round because they assume he's going to get so many targets because that's what's happened when he's been active. But this team is so much deeper now. Yeah, so much different. Yeah, none of those guys we were talking about a year ago. They weren't proven at any 
they pointed out they had to prove themselves because Keenan Allen got hurt. I mean, that's the only reason why we found out what Tyrell Williams was yeah, all about. OC is super high on the target concept for uh, Keenan Allen. And I know that you and uh, OC had a blast during this mock draft. Uh, these guys are the greatest rivalry. The OC Stags <laughs> rivalry is my favorite. Because OC's got a big mouth and he likes to he likes to run it, which I love. And he, he, he likes to bring it to, to Stag Party. You know Stag Party's just, He's, 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 he's like a cartoon where he, out of his top, it's just like steam's coming, steam's out, coming out of his ears. <laughs> <laughs> I love yep. it. Keep it up, boys. I like. I think I he's like, texting him right yeah, now. Yeah, they're texting each other right now. Um, I'm, I'm with you. I think we can kind of cruise through this. I think we got to, we got to watch and see what happens with this team a little bit. Um, I, I think you made a great, great point with uh, that. The, how many targets will be left over for the, uh, those four wide receivers, though? Do you, do you want a little uh, a drum solo break? A little, a little here, a little Buddy Rich. Um, maybe do a that when because Daisy's going to get picked up for a uh, pretty soon here for a, a doctor a, a haircutting appointment. Okay. Maybe we'll do that while I'm while I split and do that. How about that? All right. It's it's long enough that you can, you okay. can we can we, we can we can cover it. Look good on the next podcast. We're doing Link Ray. Uh, the, the NFCs, and I've got. I want to do it. All the songs are really short, but I want to do oh, like three I get, or four. I, I get, okay, you do the. You I, got the, the I got the front ends. You got the in between. So let me wrap this up with Tyrell Williams. Here, and here, here's where I sort of like him. Like uh, Tyrell can still be, you know, what Malcolm Floyd was a couple years ago. If all the targets are going to go to Keenan Allen, like Vincent Jackson, he could be the Malcolm Floyd where he's getting a hundred. You know, 110 targets, but as the vertical threat in this offense. And, and that's going to be huge. And figuring out who the second receiver is, is the very important part because they run so many two wide receiver sets last year. Now, is that because of the injury to, um, you know, Keenan Allen? It could be a little bit. But they also used Hunter Henry as the big slot, uh, used Antonio Gates in the slot a lot, where each of them both had 50% of their fantasy points come as slot receivers. Um, so that, that's the interesting aspects of it. I just think this is one of those offenses where there's a lot of question marks, but everybody's expecting Keenan Allen to be the answer. I, 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 don't, I don't think. All right, so days is going. Here's a little Buddy Rich in, uh, in the interlude.
college, you know, friends, uh, fraternity brothers. Mikey Coolis used to play fucking drums in the basement like that, just fucking rip for hours on ends in our adult house basement and just get fucked up and watch a guy drum and everybody be fucking raging their fucking faces off. Yeah, this guy, Buddy Rich, god damn it. That guy was fucking shredding for Fastest fucking hands ever. Let's talk about the not fastest hands. Let's talk about the Miami Dolphins. Uh, you know, their wide receiver core, probably not a lot going to change there. They spent a pretty high draft pick last year on Leonte Carew, Jakeen Grant there as sort of their gadget player, kick returner, punt returner, who they apparently want to get a couple more plays. Jarvis Landry, you know, probably the top target guy, Devontae Parker's there, and Kenny Stills, who had a pretty surprisingly effective fantasy season for them, you know, through catching touchdowns mostly. So, what do you see for them going forward? Because this is an offense that I don't know from the wide receiver core how much I want. I mean, Jarvis Landry in PPR leagues, I understand the appeal. Yeah. You know, Jarvis Landry in the standard leagues, uh, he's much more in that wide receiver two range, the thousand yard, five six touchdown type of guys like everybody else we sort of talk about. Um, yeah, he's that. He's in that big group of. Is, big he, group. is he? Does he have number number sixteen or is he number thirty-two? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and this is an offense that was just very slow last season. One of the slowest in the goddamn league last year, running nearly, you know, uh, all, nearly like a hundred plays more than the average, t- or a hundred plays fewer than the average team. Um, so I'm really excited to see development in terms of. Play calling under Gase speed, you know, and if Ryan Tannehill could take a, you know, step forward, that's going to be big for their sort of offensive prospectus. And this is the thing that's interesting to me because it's like, what are we really going to see now that Gase is finally somewhere for two years in a row? Uh, you know, he cleaned up with uh, the the Bears offense when he was the offensive coordinator there. He seemed to have cleaned up a, a bit with the Miami offense uh, last year, but at the same time, in the cleanup, it's not been very dynamic. And so there hasn't been what it was when he was with Denver, when it was we had Peyton Manning and we were just, you know, going lights out with the offense. So I'm tempering expectations a little bit. I know, you know, obviously you're going to still have a, a balanced attack here. You're going to have a lot of J.H.I. that's going to be, uh, you know, being used, especially after what we saw him, you know, do with his big outbreak games last year. So... Uh, <laughs> I agree 100% with the Jarvis Landry. I'm a guy who owns him in a in a, in a, in a PPR league, and he's good there. Um, we, it was also a league where I will get credit for the kick return yards, but he's not really doing the punter kick returns that much anymore. Um, you know, Devontae Parker, I think he's more of a guy that I would look for more in the standard leagues just because of, of that potential upside there. But again, I agree with you. This is just not a very... Dynamic and an amazing bunch that you go, yeah, I gotta have one of these guys. So the thing about Devontae Parker is, like, is he the Malcolm Floyd of this group? Like last year, he had like 88 targets. Uh, the year before that, you know, in his rookie season, he had 50 and eight games. But is he a guy who's more of the vertical field stretcher going to be there for you know 90 to 100 targets rather than you know the the giant target upside to where he was a true wide receiver one. Um, and I, I don't know if that's ever going to come. So the, that, that's the interesting part. Kenny Stills, I think, is still going to be involved. This is a team going to use a lot of three wide receiver sets. J.H.I. was very effective running out of that set. Uh, 
You know, Jarvis Landry out of the slots, one of the best receivers out there, sure-handed, but he's not overly dynamic after the catch. I mean, he's gonna get, he's gonna pile up some yak yards, but he's not dynamic where he's gonna take it to the house anytime he touches the ball. Yeah. Uh, they're they're gonna give him some opportunities running the ball, so I like that. Devontae Parker, he just seems like a guy who's drafted too high for me. Like, and I don't know if he's gonna get more than 100 targets in this offense. Especially with Kenny still still being out there and you know still being a, a big part of this offense in the eighty to one hundred target range himself. Yeah, I think with Devontae Parker, I do not draft him as a guy that you're planning to start. I do like drafting him as a guy to have as a as a, as a weekly fill in in certain situations. And, you know, if I can get him as my fifth wide receiver, where he's not my first guy off the bench. But a guy that I can play based on uh, on a matchup type situation, just because he does have some more of that 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 higher, bigger game upside. So at least I'd rather play him at, at a replacement week where I know I might get a, a, a skunker, but I could also maybe get a bigger output. I'd rather have that than just the guy who's going to come in and give me the four catches for fifty yards. And Parker skunker and a clunker. Par- Parker's ADP is like thirty fourth wide receiver off the board. I just don't know if I'm willing to pay that price for him after what we've seen from him the first two years. And I'm, I seriously think he could be more like the Malcolm Floyd 100 target, mm-hmm. 110 target like ceiling than true wide receiver one target ceiling. Oh, I, I don't see him a wide receiver one target ceiling. Not with Jarvis Landry there. The third rece- uh, year receiver rule. Let's see if he could be break the myth. Uh, anyone else you guys uh, want to go on that team or should we move it on? We hit them all. Okay, cool. Let's go to the uh, New England Patriots, and a lot of new action there at wide receiver and all this good stuff. Um, good old, good old Julian Edelman. Let's start there. Julian Edelman, we should talk about last because Brandon Cooks is the new number one receiver in New England. All right, so what are your thoughts? On, I mean, I, I have mixed emotions about Brandon Cooks going from uh, a New Orleans offense to the New England offense. I know that New England will find ways to use, use him, but here's a guy that in uh, New Orleans was complaining when he wasn't getting enough targets, uh, and now you're going to have to go under Bill Belichick. You're going to have to be the team guy. Uh, you're not going to be able to cry this. you got Tom Brady. You went from, from Drew Brees to Tom Brady, and Tom Brady has got all the rings where Drew's got one. So and Tom's going to throw it to who he wants to throw it to. So how many times did Brandon Cooks complain? He complained a few last he year. He was twice. He complained one time when he got zero targets in a game. Like, you threw him the ball zero times? Yeah, I think that's up for a little bit of... Hey, you know, I think they could have thrown the ball to me a little more. Still, fuck off. <laughs> okay. It's not your spot, you know. They won the game. Yeah. <laughs> and he was complaining that he didn't get targeted in that game. I'm just saying, that doesn't fly with Belichick. You know? I'm super down. I'm super down on, on Cooks. I think we, it goes along with what we've been, you've been saying in the last few guys. There's only so many balls that can go around. There's a lot of mouths to feed, a lot of talent, and you've got a guy that's hoisting the ball and throwing it around that does not lock in or care where it goes. He's going to take the best. And you've got so much action coming out of that backfield with, with pass catchers. Well, well, i got a question here. for If you're a Brandon Cooks guy... But I know a guy who's a Brandon Cooks guy. I used to be. Uh, who, if you have him in a, a, a dynasty type format, does he have more trade value now, before season, or does he have more trade value once now. season starts? Trade him now. Depends. Because Brandon Cooks can have, 
Julian Allen, we got 160 targets in this offense. Why do we think that's going to happen again? Like, the, you're telling me uh, Tom Brady doesn't lock on to a guy, but over the last couple of years, he's locked on to Julian Edelman for 160, 150, 149 targets. Mostly because I think Brady likes to get rid of it quickly so he doesn't get hit or hurt. And Gronk has been injured a lot, so that safety valve, quick, quick, quick hit option has been gone. And I think that... I think we can all agree, for the most part, that Brandon Cooks is going to be a longer route kind of I, I guy. don't agree with that. I, but he's never been a short across the middle. He's never, but have they ever, been. like, really used him there? Well, why wouldn't they if he could do it? Be- because they had other guys. They had Willie Sneed. And, like, this is a team that wants to get the ball in his hands. Like, they, remember, they gave up a first-round pick for Brandon Cooks, and we don't think they're going to use Brandon Cooks. I think they'll use them. I think they'll use them to stretch the field. And I, it's gonna I think it's going to be both. Like they're going to make, they're going to run some screens for Brandon Cooks that never really happened. Like they're going to run jets and bubbles for Brandon Cooks that didn't really happen outside of the first couple of games in New Orleans. They're going to design plays for him, and that's going to be huge. And Julian Edelman's not seeing 160 targets with Brandon I Cooks with Brandon Cooks on the team. He wasn't but, even seeing it just with Gronk coming back. Well, and that's, the other, that's, the other, that's the other factor that you have there, too. You still have Gronk uh, out there as well. So there, I just worry, you know, I would love to, to think that, you know, so if do you think Cooks is going to be this 160 target guy? And how many targets is Edelman going to get then with Cooks on the field at the same time? Like, you know, I think that's not going to be 160. I think he's going to be a lot of what he's already been doing. Cooks, I don't think, changes much. I think he's going to be the same that he's been. He'll have some awesome games. And he finished sixth last year. So don't don't get me wrong. Tenth? I thought it was sixth. Uh, it was sixth in one of my leagues. Huh. Um, he, but that's a long time. Because he had the 99 touchdown. Yeah, 99 yeah, touchdown. Huge touch. But <laughs> he, I think he's going to be a lot of what he does. He's going to have those three enormous games, and he's going to be very pedestrian sometimes. And I think that's all that really – I think they that the Patriots want out of him. It's like, hey, sometime, some days it's going to be your game. Some days it's going to be Adeline. Some days it's going to be Gronk. Some days it's going to be even Hogan or Mitchell. And, and we're going to win a Super Bowl with you. And, and I think the reason why they were able to give, uh, willing to give a first-round pick, the guy's only 23 years old. He's still so young. He's going to be in his fourth year, and he's actually younger than Michael Thomas. Yeah, but Crazy. they're also going to have to pay him very soon, and that's not a New England move. They yeah. move on to guys before they have to pay them. Yeah. But they also know for Dynasty, you're talking about when is his value the highest. Julian Edelman's, what, 31 years old? Getting there along on the tooth? You know, last year of his contract? You don't think that maybe next year for Dynasty purposes, that Brandon Cooks is their full-time slot receiver with Malcolm Mitchell on the outside? Well, Chris the question I'll give you is, how and long then, is Brady going to play? He says five, five years. years. I know but, he but says five years. Doesn't, I know he says doesn't matter. I mean, it's still Bill Belichick who will scheme players open. I think it's one of these things too. Like, or I look at it where I think they, as the Patriots, are like, you know, if they're not going to pay Brandon Cooks, how many more years do they have him under? Under one. What's the fifth year so, option, which they'll probably pick up? Okay, so you have him for two. So they're looking at it, and, and I don't think Edelman will be retiring after this season either. So, but it's a contract year, I and understand. the Patriots have proven not my, ready my, to my, bring my, players my back. My point is, they're trying to stack as many titles as they can while they have Brady yeah. before. And so, yeah. And so, does that necessarily mean that you're going to? Make Brandon Cooks. He just needs to be that part of the of that cog that the, the machine to help get them back to the title. And I think Edelman's going to be willing to 
takes a cheap, take a back cheap, seat a little bit. A cheap, a cheap contract in his last no. last to, to have stay it, with have, Brady. Have any of those guys been willing to do that? Because he's Wes Welker. None of he those wishes he had. None of those guys have this. ever been willing no, to do he, that. He ended up getting the the, the he ring. Good, in, he uh, had one good year with Denver, but he got another ring there too. So. Yeah, like none of the guys receivers don't no, want to take the ring. Receivers don't want to, that's when they lost the to Seattle, right? Yeah. Uh, like, receivers don't take pay cuts, and even if they he wanted $2 million, you know, Bill Belichick could be like, no. It's like, I'm not paying you anything. It's like, he's cut them off at the foot once receivers hit 31 or 32. Well, let's like, talk about some of the other guys. I know we're talking about Elman. I mean, I don't think any of them matter for fantasy right now. You don't like Mitchell as a late, late pick? No, because if you don't like Cooks as a sort of guy who's going to get right. 120 targets, Where are they else how, how, how many targets I mean, is Malcolm Mitchell going to get? In- injury. And the problem sure. is, Chris Hogan is still going to get some targets yeah, out there as well. Chris Hogan's probably ahead of him on the depth chart, yeah. okay. in my estimation. Like, I think if we, the only thing in the Can you believe Danny Amendola is still there, too? Well, like, he, just, he just renegotiated his contract, <laughs> getting paid. Usual pay cut. Yeah, yeah. he took a pay as fuck it. Because he had the ridiculous contract that he got. Yeah. Uh, $36 million yeah. Dollar deal. Um, well, I think in general, I think what we're saying here is Tom Brady has a lot of weaponry, and uh, the Patriots are good. What does that mean individually for each of these wide receivers? TBD. Uh, I think it's going to be game-to-game situation. All right, before we get to the New York Jets, let's listen to this. And you might hear a siren in the background. Don't worry. If I'm feeling anxious to sober up, I'll just talk to my sponsor. (laughs) All right, the Jets. We talked earlier about who might have the worst, uh, the, the the Bills having one of the worst wide receiver crews around. These guys, um, I mean, they got some names there. They signed. They got some stuff. names there. I mean, Devin Smith was the first pick of a second round three years ago. He can never do anything. I like Robbie Anderson's upside. Uh, Decker, do you think he'll be on the team this year? I, I think, think Decker will be on the team. And, and I think it'll be uh, Decker from McCown. You know, week one, double stamp. And should Decker get back, I think he sees 140 targets again. And he's, he's a sick player. He, he's going to catch, like, if he sees 140 targets, he's going to catch, what, 80 passes <laughs> and be in that 1,006, 7 touchdown range. And he's going to, you know, battle for wide receiver two status. And, and, and he, it's, it's, okay. sort, it's sort of like that couple years ago when he first came over from Denver, you know, with the Jets. He was and awesome. He, he, he was pretty good. He put 1,006 or seven. Like, that's what he does. Because he catches balls down the field. He's not running these five-yard slants and things like that. He's, he's getting, you know, he's catching the he ball do, down He the does field. everything. He, he does everything. Right. He's awesome. But, it's, but I, I, I like I like him, depending on, again, we'll, let's see what happens at the quarterback position here. It's going to be, you know. <laughs> it's apparently McCown. not much. It's, it's McCown. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, but like we said with Jay Cutler. Yeah, you got him. You got him for whatever, but he's going to get hurt for whatever games. Josh McCown is not playing sixteen games. So, yeah. so, you know, the other guy that I think is interesting too is you know you have Waz who's super high right on Robbie Anderson, um, and and then I still think that I like Quincy Inunua just because he's so versatile. He was a guy that kind of came in as a as an H back first. That then they kind of converted into wide receiver, so they are able to use him out of so many different formations, and he's a very good, willing blocker. You know, that's one of the things too that you have because Decker's a very good blocker too. So you have you got some good 
receivers out there that can help in that regard. But I don't Brandon know. Marshall last year was probably the best blocker. He's one of the best yeah. blockers of all time. Yeah, he's a sick blocker. Position. Yeah, uh, I like a too. I thought that was you that grabbed him, right? I thought that was one of the. He was definitely one of those guys that I was thinking about taking right there. Um, I think he's a great late pick if they can start. I think he's he could be the, the the wide receiver one or two if Decker's injury kind of slows him down. I like Anunua as a deep flyer pick. Yeah, it's all going to depend on the Decker injury or if there's a draft day trade or if they, you know, it's like, oh, fuck it, let's just cut the guy, save the money for this year because we're going to suck. Yeah. But, you know, what, what's your... Cut ve- Decker? Yeah, what's your veteran leadership on that team then? If, if you cut Eric Decker, especially... Uh, I so guess Forte, it's Matt Forte. I guess it's McCown and Forte, Bears and Bears. Bears. East. Bears. <laughs> it's, it's not The leadership not for great. the Niners is of Bears, too. But Eric Deckers is a pro pro who's going to, if he gets out there healthy, he's going to see a boatload of targets. I think Robbie Anderson's got some upside as a field stretcher. I like McCown's ability to go deep, you know, if if he's the quarterback for an extended period of time. So I, I like Anderson in those aspects. But he's just one of those guys who I don't know if he's going to see a significant enough volume share. And I think this team just has a lot of question marks right now that I can't answer before the draft. I agree. I say we move on to the next team. Next. Uh, Oakland Raiders. Amari Cooper and Crabtree are kind of coming together. as probably the highest picked one-two wide receiver combination of any in fantasy drafts. Devontae Adam, Jordy Nelson. Yeah. Yeah. But arguably. Yeah. They're, they're right close. There. Yeah, they're right there. And, and the funny thing is, is we've talked in some shows and, and, and during the season and, and, not, not, and recently, Crabtree's numbers have been better than than Amari Cooper's over the past two seasons that they've been together. What do you guys think, just on that fact, going into this year knowing Amari Cooper is a second-round pick and you, the value is much better ADP-wise for Crabtree, who do you want out of those guys? What do you think happens this year? Is Crabtree going to have better stats this year too, or is it is it Cooper take overtime? I, I think they're going to be very close. I think they're going to be very close. And, and the thing is, that when we you know, think about Amari Cooper when he came out, they were, what did everyone say? This is the most polished wide receiver that we have coming out, you know. But you know, when he was, it was Kevin White was in the same year, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but Kevin White had the potential to do a, a whole lot more things than than Cooper potentially could based on his skill set. He's an amazingly skilled receiver, but he's not the super super dynamic guy. So I think that's what kind of hurts him is that teams are. Kind of, we're still going to pay attention to Amari Cooper as the number one, so he's drawing the harder, uh, you know, quarterback matchup most times, and then that leaves advantages for for Crabtree, and you have a quarterback and Derek Carr who can get the ball to both of them. Yeah, I pretty much agree with you. I like Cooper just because he's an ascending player, man. This guy's going to be, you know, twenty three. Uh, what? Uh, in June, uh, he's already had two thousand two thousand yard seasons under his belt. Uh, we see that target share be consistent over the first two years with one hundred and thirty and one hundred and thirty one targets, and he could go up to one hundred and forty targets and sort of be like a top end wide receiver too. Yeah. The thing that concerns you about Amari Cooper is touchdowns. He's got just eleven of them over the first. Uh, two years of his career, and the red zone stats have just not been there for Amari. Uh, last year, Amari Cooper had just 13 red zone targets. And how many did, how many did Crabtree have? Because that's the thing that, that's crazy is that Crabtree is the one that 
you know, Cooper may be bringing you down the field and then Crabtree stealing these touchdowns. Crabtree was one of the top receivers in the league with 21 targets. And uh, to, to his defense and against him, Crabtree dropped about three touchdowns. <laughs> they were right in his hand, right, right there where he... And that's not his game. Last year, out of nowhere, he had the best hands in the league the right. previous three years. I, last year, out of nowhere, he started dropping some passes. And I'd say three of them, just in watching him. Cause, uh, I remember one of them was like a real long one. And it's like, oh, it yeah. just the, one of the worst drops you've ever yeah. seen. Like, Crabtree. Crabtree, what the Who? fuck? Uh, I want to yank that chain off of <laughs> <laughs> well, But, yeah, the thing with Crabtree now is last year, I was like, guys, Crabtree's going to be good. But you were drafting him in the seventh or eighth round, and you knew you were going to get better numbers than that. Now you've got to draft him in the third or fourth round, and now it's like par. Okay, now it's par for the course. Like, why can't I just wait five rounds to draft Pierre Garçon and maybe get similar numbers? Yeah. And that and that's the thing. Plus, they play in a tough division. Oh, they're going to have to see what Jason Verrett. Uh, you know. They've got corners on Denver for days with the keep to leaving Chris Harris. You got Marcus Peters in Kansas City. You gotta face those guys six times a season. Yeah. And that just hurts their upside a little bit. They play New England. They've got a pretty tough schedule for receivers, and I haven't even done the SOS yet, and I can guarantee you it's gonna be fucking tough. But the thing that you do is you get you get good consistent numbers out of these guys. But what you're not getting is you're not getting those huge, like you you know. Multiple big, huge breakout games, 150 plus yards on multiple occasions with two touchdowns. That's just not, not really happening. Especially for Crabtree, Amari Cooper's got that sort of weekly upside to where he had a 12 catch, 173 yard game last year with the touchdown, and a 10 catch, 129 yard game. Right, I'm saying the multi, the bigger multiple 150 plus ones. It's like you're gonna get one or whatever, but it's like it's just not as. With some other guys, you have better opportunities for, for that. But the other thing that you have to worry about for these guys is they had basically no production last year out of the tight end position. And now you're bringing in Jared Cook there, so you're hopeful that he's going to happily... The idea is, whether it's going to happen or not, the idea is that, that he's going to help, help to spread he's the He's also better than what they had. Yes, no, no, no doubt. Who says no. much there, but he's better than what they had. No doubt, but they, these guys are going to get theirs. I have no concerns about each of these guys getting, you know, 130 targets. Right, but I have a concern about any of them going up to the 160 type yeah. level. They're never going to get there. Here's the thing. Latavius Murray, gone. Right now, you got Jalen Richards and Washington, uh, DeAndre Washington. Did I watch his name? Yes, I Richard, got Jalen Richard. Uh, okay, fine. Fair <laughs> enough. But I got close enough. I was in the I was going to let that hey, Richard, Richard was okay. It was at least you had it there. Um... <laughs> That's who they've got right now. So if they don't bring in a running back street, this is going to be Carr winging the ball around. There's no chance they don't bring in. I, I agree with you. But right now, where Zero we're sitting, I, I agree with you. But <laughs> right now, where, where, right we're now? Si- where we're sitting, he is going to be Aaron Rodgers this year's winging it around. Yeah, because the running back situation. Wow! Someone smells stinky! Wow, it's me! Uh, one thing, schedule, you said earlier, tough schedule. They're in the toughest division there is, probably defensively. Going up against Denver twice, going up against Kansas City twice, and uh, going up against the uh, Chargers as well twice. Oh, I was going to say San Diego. And yeah. then I was like, no. Yeah. It's like, now I can't say whale's vagina whenever the fuck I want. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. 
Um, and you look at their schedule here uh, in, in, in the final games. Let's see. They're going against Oakland. Is it Dallas and a Philadelphia? So and those are easy. Yeah, corners. it's week fifteen and sixteen. Uh, so you got to be liking where um, where Oakland's playing up uh, when it matters most in the playoffs. Okay, just to, to to wrap it up, they had you know Cordero Patterson, who I think could do some things. I think he's going to bring a dynamic, you know, special teams threat. But I also think if they get him some plays, we saw last year Minnesota start to draw some things up for him, that he's still one of the most dynamic athletes out there. And as their third-ride receiver, I think that could be a little bit of an upgrade over Seth Roberts. And Seth Roberts will still somehow catch five touchdown passes. Can, can Cordero Patterson become John Jett? John Jett, yeah. God, remember that guy? I don't no. know what that means. John Jett, he was like the skinny, he was like, he was like the skinny like... He was like the third wide receiver on on the Raiders back. Yeah, we gotta go back uh, 10, with Gannon or whatever, maybe yeah. even. And he'd have a couple big games though, where he'd like catch. He was like a track star. Yeah. The, old, the old Al Davis thing. Exactly. No. Okay. But I but I agree that um, Seth uh, he, he seems to get some touchdown action. All right, let's go on to the next squad, and that is going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers. Antonio Brown, obviously, pretty much uh, with Julio as the de facto number one. So who, let's who, just call him one of the top tier receivers, and that's, that's who, we're who, done who, with Antonio you, Brown. Yeah, where do you go though? Do you go Antonio Brown or Julio Jones? Me personally, I'm a Julio guy. I this year I, I switch. I have Julio at the top of my tiers right now. Why? Why? I just I I really Julio still has yet to, to really do it in the touchdown department that I think is going to be. Is Why are we suddenly him. expecting him to do something he's never done uh, before in his I'm career? Expecting it because he was also <laughs> playing hurt last year. Also, he was. Yeah, he, he was. was he, the, the target share that that guy gets is just insane, and he's. I, I think he's younger, so I think I'll right. And I feel like he's the same age as Brown. As much as he gets target wise, he still is watching these games underutilized. He's open more than he's even getting the ball thrown to him. Uh, where I think Antonio Brown and Big Ben, especially with Martavis, who I'm sure we'll get into him next, is maximizes his opportunity more than any player probably in Phoenix. I mean, it's just like they are going to him on drives where you're just like eight plays, six of them went to Antonio, and Antonio has a touchdown. He's 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 ridiculous. I love. If you hear about uh, his baby mama, not too happy about. What he's doing, he's going courtside uh, with his Instagram girl. You guys gotta check out his Instagram. Okay. Girl. She is a smoke show, and his baby mom has got like four kids with him. Is like, what the fuck? I'm seeing Antonio at the Clippers game courtside. Like, I'm sitting home with his four kids. It's like, what? What's going on? You know, Antonio's just like, don't worry, honey. I just, I just. I just delivered about six hundred thousand dollars into your account. Shut the fuck up. I'm sticking with Insty for a bit. <laughs> well, I lost your market. Uh, what? You're making a complete fool of yourself. Oh, wait, just for me. Precious alcohol sucking in the shack. That's gonna sound like shit. <laughs> yeah, that one. Who are you gonna You can't win them all. You, you, you guys, we didn't, do a pre, we, didn't do a pre, we didn't do a pregame check on all of these. Uh, Your audio fucking sucks. Yeah, we've heard it all before. Uh, uh, Martavis Bryant, suspension gonna be lifted. Seems pretty evident that it is. Done all the right things. Uh, let's just hope that he can continue to do so. What are your thoughts on this guy? We know what it uh, just. 
extraordinary wide receiver, makes it look effortless. Just this guy's ridiculous. Is he going to be overdrafted? Is he going to be underdrafted? Are you targeting him? Are you liking him this year? Or are you going to let him let him have his get his feet wet again and then deal with it next year? I I, I kind of you know seeing where his ADP is going because you said you, you got snaked on him and I was. In a situation where he was one of my three when I was making my wraparound pick, but it was like I, I just couldn't take him there to, to, to end of the fifth. End of the right. fifth. So which is beginning of the fifth. Either which way you're 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 putting him and I think that's still a good value because I think he's a guy that could be, you know, if if everything goes right, could be uh, a high three, low two, low second round actual value. I don't know if we'll ever get that high, just because of the built in risk. Of suspension. Well, no, no, no. But I'm saying it take suspension off the yeah. table. No, but he, you'll always have built-in risk of suspension no, 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 I with Martavis. But I'm saying like, if he, he could piss but, in any game. But in that's that, not the point I'm making. I'm making the point that if he plays the full season, doesn't get suspended, he's a guy that should be drafted in the second to early third round. That's that's where his value should be. I think that if you're willing to take that risk, I think the reward could pay off. And especially if you're worried about suspension, and if you get him with two out of four games out of the shoot where he gives you a couple big big hitters, then trade him if you're that concerned. Well, here's the Then you're not drafting him. The guy you took him over him when you were probably sitting there and thinking between the two of them was Brandon Marshall. Yeah. Um, so you took Brandon Marshall first pick of the fifth. The pick that went after that was Heartbeat with the Golden Tate. Then Martavis Bryant. Uh, who would you? Who, who 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 would you? All things being equal, who who do you like out of those guys? Depends on the league format. Because like Tate, I know he's probably going to catch up nearly a hundred passes. So in PPR, I might favor him over Martavis Bryant because. Bryant's a field stretcher and red zone guy, but we don't know what he's going to be asked to do between the 20s. Yeah. We don't know if he's going to be 120 targets or if he's going to be in the 100 target range. Um, so that's that's the real question. Um, we know the other guys are going to get targets. Brandon Marshall, I'm, I won't even, we'll save that for another podcast. Um, just because <laughs> well, I, I guess we'll get... save it for the next podcast. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Good call. Good call. Uh, all right. So I, that, that's my thoughts on it. Like, it depends on the league format. I got a trivia question for you. Who has more touchdowns in 2014 and 2015, Julio Jones or Martavis Bryant? Well, obviously it's going to be Martavis Bryant. <laughs> I would put Martavis Bryant. Okay, they're tied, but still. Tied? <laughs> but the number of games for Martavis Bryant like is much number, fewer yeah. than Julio Jones. Yeah. No, I know. I, I'm hoping this new fucking guy that comes in, who's uh, Sarkeesian, is just like, I've got a toy. We are going to start using him in the red zone. We're going to start throwing him deeper patterns. We're going to start just being like, you know what? This is going to be Tecmo Ball Julio style because I think he's underutilized and he still is able to get it done. And here's the reason: you, we talk about that one game where Brandon Cooks gets pissed because he they win and he doesn't get targeted. And you hear this in the, the Super Bowl narrative street is. He's the least selfish guy, like in the league. Julio just wants to win. If he doesn't get targets, he never bitches. He's a team guy, and there's just—he's my favorite player. You think if Julio got zero targets in the Super Bowl, he wouldn't have said a goddamn thing? I I don't know. I would hope. I would want him to. I would want him to. I got respect. I would would be pissed if he didn't. But it seems like you know he do the Walter Walter Payton. He'd be like, Oh, I didn't score this. Passive aggressive. Yeah. Like I just won. I finally won the Super Bowl, and I'm sulking up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on now. Let's let's be serious. Even when you're selfish, if you're one of the best players in the league, 
You've got a little bit of selfishness to you. I hope so. I, I want to see more of that from him. Yeah. And that goes back to the t- previous team we are talking about, Amari Cooper. I want to see that more out of him, too. Where he just kind of feels like this aloof, like, oh, I'm a team guy, I'm selfish, I'm humble, and all that stuff. Like, sometimes I just want that guy to be like, come on, you know, like Crabtree style, where, like, show that energy, show that passion, get me this ball, I'm open. Because I think there's a there's a fine line between that diva and that confidence and that just, like, give me this, give me, get me going here. And, I mean, with Julio, just nine red zone targets last season. Like, come on, guys. Nine red zone targets. Uh, we'll get back to who, Why do we keep going that way? Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown has 35 <laughs> touchdowns over the last three years. Like, Remember, and he, had, like, he was terrible over those previous four. Yeah. He, but that's he's, amazing. That's incredible. He, he was in a lot lower range. in the seventh or eighth range. We used to be like... Oh, uh, Antonio Brown's a midget. He's never going to catch. 34 over three years? 35. Wow. Really good. He's so good. And he's the one guy that actually, uh, even in this mock, you'll see, he he went ahead of Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, that's fine. Depends. And I think it's, I'm I'm saying, you you can warrant him as that third pick. You can warm him as the first pick again. Yeah. Like, you know what you're going to get from the guy. You can argue whatever you want. Depends. Yeah. Like, uh... But Martavis Bryant, interesting. I keep saying interesting in this podcast. Weird. Uh, you're you're interesting. Very interesting. Martavis Bryant, the thing you like is his ability to go deep, and then he helps Antonio Brown. He helps Le'Veon Bell, and he mostly helps Ben Roethlisberger's numbers. So if he's out there, this offense goes up to another level. Um, I think Eli Rogers in the slot will be that underneath safety blanket. And Ladarius Green and Jesse James will, you know, be afterthoughts at tight end. So Wait, what is uh, sound like, that? Sounds like an old West. Is Perry, Hayward right? Bay still? He's still there, right? Hayward Bay is still there. Sammy Coates is still there. Like they've got guys, and they're also expected to draft a, a wide receiver oh, in the yeah. middle rounds. Think, just just as more Martavis insurance. Yeah, I like the Eli Rogers in a second year. Uh, I was watching, you know how they're doing on Sundays, they're doing the uh, the red zone replays on the NFL Network. So I was watching through one of the games, and it was uh, I watched the uh, the Sammy Coates touchdown drop. That was the worst drop of the season. It was like literally just like a button. No one was around him. Uh, just It just like literally looked like he was just learned how to play football and never caught a pass in his life. It was like in third grade. Um I don't think you're going to see much out of that guy this year, especially if you've got uh, you know Mr. Bryant. Back. Yeah, he was he was that flash in the pan. Had that one that, game, that one game. And the best part about it is, I'll never forget when we were watching the underwear Olympics when he was a rookie, and it's yeah. like he was dropping like on those those drills where they had like the turn run, and it was like he was dropping passes left and right. I thought you were going to talk about the part where the dick, where the guy's dick fell out, but <laughs> was it Sammy's? No. I held off on, on, on the It's nice to think that that's what you think about whenever I say underwear Olympics. It's like, <laughs> remember when that guy's dick fell out? <laughs> hey, we think about dicks more than we should around here. It's, it's alright. We're confident in ourselves. Is it okay to come out now, Mr. Gay Man? <laughs> you dick! That's a pretty good fucking uh, well timed. <laughs> well timed. I hate you. Alright, let's. Uh, wow, this is another team. Look at how many friggin' wide receivers they have. Justin Hunter. Yeah. Remember they brought it. They just brought in Justin he's, Hunter. He's the Martavis insurance. So maybe they, yeah. they don't add anybody. But like guys like Josh Reynolds, 
Uh, and there's another receiver from Tennessee who's been mocked to them a lot. Guys who are field stretchers have been getting mocked to them a lot. We'll see if it happens. But Pittsburgh seems to be a team that drafts a lot of wide receivers late, and they do a better job than almost any team developing them. Yeah, that's true. We'll see. How many years do you guys think ben, Big Ben's got left? Three. Really? Wow, that would be amazing. I don't know about that. I mean, I... I He's made so no, much money. I think. I think. I think. If they don't go far this year. He's gonna be like, Jesus. I, I, I just want. I, I can see. I just want to chill. He's. He's still got. You know, as long as he's still got Le'Veon and all that stuff. I think one to two. Damn, two year max. Two point. year max. That's a good point. He's got such talent. All right, let's move on to uh, our final team. Nice work. Uh, good. Good. Good stuff. We're only gonna go about two and a half hours. So nice transition with Justin Hunter into the Tennessee Titans. There you go. Um, Tennessee Titans. This. Let's just start with this. This is a team that every mock and every person in the world thinks is going after uh, one of these rookie wide receivers. You see left and right Corey Davis landing on that team. My fear is that he goes a little early. I think Corey Davis could slide up a little bit um, when you know when push comes to shove in his draft day. But this team will be adding um, a wide receiver to um, you know kind of a, a pedestrian-looking uh, list of names that overachieved last year uh, with Richard Matthews. Uh, I'll let you guys talk a little bit. On what do you think about them drafting? What do you think about the prospect of Richard um, Richard Matthews for this season? Why do you have to poo-poo Rashard Matthews I like achieving? I, I, like, I, I like, here's the thing. I Rashard like Matthews is going to be severely underdrafted. Yes. I, I got him on my team. I was like, he's, I was fired <laughs> up. I was like, this guy's about, by far the best wide receiver left on the board. I like him. Okay. So, I agree with you. So he, here's the thing. like They're going to add a receiver, but none of them are going to be better this season right. than Rashard Matthews. And the thing with Corey Davis is I don't know if Corey Davis fits. Like, does he do the same things as Richard Matthews? Do they want a different player? Do they want a guy like Mike Williams who can, you know, take uh, vertical passes and sort of give a big body weapon for Marcus Mariota? Or do they want, you know, this to be a quick hit passing game and go with Corey Davis where him and Richard Matthews just run slants all day? Like, sure, they could. Uh, I'd prefer you know them to be more multiple, have different types of players, different archetypes. Um, what, could they add John Ross with their second first-round pick? Because they got two of them. Remember, they had the first pick in last year's draft. And it's like, oh, we don't need a quarterback, so we're going to milk this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Smart moves. I, I think that this offense as a whole is very lackluster. They're, I mean, they're awesome. At running the ball, Marcus Mariota is a great quarterback. I think there's going to be some great things coming out in his future. But it's very predictable that they're going to be sort of a two-back set mm-hmm. or you know, two tight ends set, and they're going to run two wide receivers out there most of the time. So somebody is going to have to sort of take on Tajay Sharp, who I don't think is a special talent. So I think a round one wide receiver – you know, could come in and be an impact player later, but I just don't know if they want it. Like, I think they have aspirations of being a 
playoff team this year. Yeah, absolutely. And the way that you're going to do that is by limiting the mistakes and controlling the ball because where do you have all your talent? It's on that offensive line and it's, on, and it's in the backfield. So, um, you know, the thing though, when you talk about Rashard Matthews, I like Rashard Matthews. I've, I've liked him ever since when he was uh, uh, performing uh, well when he was on the Dolphins. Yeah. And, you know, he's got one of the things that you like, D-Rex, is that this is not a guy that was handed anything. So he's a work hard guy. Seventh round pick. Right. End of the seventh round pick. The work hard guy that has just, he's, he's, you can keep saying he's overachieved, or how about he's been undervalued throughout his career? And I think that. You know, he, he does a lot of different things, too. He's able to, to kind of give you that, that good medium to deep passing uh, attempt. He, he does a good job catching the ball along the sidelines. That's the one thing that I just remember from when he was on Miami. It was like the same play. He kept running it over and over again. It was, just, it was like three in a row, and it's just on the sideline, making the catch, aware of his surroundings. It's a smart player. So, And I think pairing him with Marcus Mariota, you know, and again, with the strong running attack, you're going to get a couple nice games out of Matthews. Well, I think looking at Matthews, he finished 13th last year. He had 108 targets. The issue there, and I think this will be fixed and improved, is that on those 108 targets, he only caught 65 of them. Just you know, just about 55 yards short of a thousand yards, but he had those nine touchdowns. But you, the percentage of, of, of catches to targets is going to go up. So I think he could stay in that same range. I don't think he's all of a sudden going to be a 140-target guy. Do you guys disagree? I think he's going to kind of stay. I, I, I disagree a little bit. He'll go up a little bit, you think? I could I could see that. He, here's why. But he, I need, he, he needs to catch more of his targets. But he's a deep receiver. That inherently is going to help him. He's a deep receiver. So that you know limits his – he made a lot of deep connections with Marcus Mariota, and he got – you know, sort of deep passes thrown to him a lot, and that sort of limits your catch percentage. Yeah. But the thing is, Rashard Matthews wasn't a starting receiver for the first five weeks of the season. Huh. Like, let's bring this back. Like, over the first five weeks of the season, he played under half the team's snaps. And then they're like, oh, Tajay Sharp's not that good. Kendall Wright's, you know, going to be our second receiver, but he's not that good. We'll let him go after the season. Rashard Matthews, we just paid him a bunch of money. Let's see what we've got in this guy. And he showed up big time. Like, after the first four weeks of the season, he started to see 28-29% of the target share. So, if you look at it as a whole season basis, he's going to see more than 108 targets. Like, I don't think he's going to be a 140 target guy, but if he's right around 110-120 targets... I think that's his sweet spot, and I think he'll be very effective, but I also don't think he's going to score touchdowns at the same rate he did last season. No, I think that, that you always have to be worried about that, especially when you have nine touchdowns on 65 catches. That's a very high touchdown uh, <laughs> dependency. Yeah, so that's going to decrease, but I also think he's their sort of, remember, play-action pass. Deep shot to Rashard Matthews. Right after they pounded it for three, Marcus Mariota would just take a shot and throw a beautiful deep ball. But don't you think he'll probably get you six touchdowns? Five, six touchdowns? Yeah. He's another one of the... Yeah, in that that group. Wide receiver twos. I think you can make the argument that his 65 catches could go up to 75. 75, 80, yeah? Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's all he really needs. But I, uh, so I'm excited to see that guy. And like you said, Zach, he comes at a value. It's just a, not a namesake that's getting overdrafted. So I think he, he's a guy that I could see being on a lot of my teams. This I mean, year. he's currently drafted as the 34th wide receiver on the board, uh, right around Tyrell Williams, Jordan Matthews. 
Yeah, and I, I, I like him more than both those guys. I like Tyrell, but again, we I, I agree with what you said with how many uh, targets there are to go around. Uh, they play against San Francisco in Week 15, so that's good. But then they play against the Rams, who, who have a, a better defense than you would imagine. So let's see what happens. Let's see there. Obviously, someone you need to keep an eye on because of that draft aspect, and also you got to see how the, um, Mr. Mariota's heels. Uh, but great offensive line to. By that time for a Matthews to get open, and they've got such sweet running back situation that uh, any defense is going to have to kind of move up and, and be, can be worried about that running game. So, good stuff. That is the AFC of wide receivers. I think we basically covered every wide receiver in the AFC. And uh, Good show, guys. Good stuff. Um, the music that we opened up with was uh, The Spirit of the Radio by a Canadian band that you've probably heard of called Rush. Uh, and then we're closing out with The Working Man. So that's off their first album. I think that's their first song that really kind of broke them. But uh, The Working Man, let's do it off their self-titled debut. We are working for you guys on Saturday morning, uh, giving you the fantasy goo. To now Saturday you. afternoon. Yeah, now Saturday <laughs> afternoon. To give you the fantasy goo and give you the difference to be a winner this year. If you're listening to us, we love you. Thanks for joining us on this journey. Out.